WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. On Memorial Day, the nation pays tribute. We do this as a means of honoring those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. My son absolutely loved what he did. He lived for what he did. So that gives me some peace. This is about service to these veterans who sacrificed so much for our country. I think it's great to just give them some recognition. It's very somber. It allows us all to just pause. As a nation, we also bear a heavy burden of responsibility to ensure that their sacrifices and deeds will not have been in vain. A mass shooting on a beach in South Florida. Nine people were shot at Hollywood Beach. All nine of those victims were taken to the hospital, and so far, one suspect is in custody. Now, the information is still brief at this point, but Hollywood police do say one person was arrested, and the search is on for another. They add that this all started with a fight between two groups. President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy reached a final agreement to raise the debt ceiling and avoid a potentially catastrophic default. The agreement prevents the worst possible crisis, a default for the first time in our nation's history. An economic recession, retirement accounts devastated, millions of jobs lost. It also protects key priorities and accomplishments and values that congressional Democrats and I have fought long long and hard for. A former prison in Harlem is the latest space to be designated to house asylum seekers. The building closed in 2019 and has sat empty ever since. The state took control and turned the school into a minimum security work release program in 1976. But it closed in 2019 to reduce costs amid a declining prison population, leaving 392 beds empty ever since. Over the next few days, the city and state will work together to move migrants in. Here, on this soil, on these grounds, beneath those fields, lies the true source of American greatness, of American glory, and of American freedom. As long as we are blessed with patriots such as these, we shall forever remain one people one family, and one nation under God. What better on a Tuesday morning than Kill Tuesday? 
This is, in fact, the group till Tuesday on this Tuesday morning. Voices carry 606 on another gorgeous, sun-splashed New York day. It has been unbelievable, the weather, and will continue to be that way. If you don't like it too hot, then you're not going to love Thursday and Friday with temperatures ranging towards the mid-80s. But sunshine every day, and I came in today with an August tan, even though I will tell you that I spent a lot of time in the hospital. But I found a way to get three or four hours every day in that bright sunshine, wearing a nice white button-down shirt. You can check it out on my Instagram feed, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Follow me there, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. I don't tweet. I haven't tweeted in quite some time. So Instagram and Facebook is where you'll find me. A lot in that open. You heard uh, Donald Trump. That video is on his social media site, Truth Social. He's at the Arlington National Cemetery talking about the brave men and women, mostly men, especially for a long time, who put their lives on the line and then gave us the ultimate sacrifice and died to protect our freedoms. So that yesterday, a lot of us can be with our friends and family and barbecue and hang out on the Jersey Shore and Fire Island and the Hamptons and upstate New York, do all that fun stuff. I put a couple of posts up this weekend, and I talked about this yesterday. I was a guest with uh, John Katsimatidis and Curtis Sliwa, and I want to thank them both for doing a terrific job in our stead yesterday. We appreciate that. I was on at uh, about 8.05, about 15 minutes or so. So I put up these uh, two uh, posts on Sunday, one of me at the Intrepid Museum from a couple of years ago. I was there with my late great partner, Bernard, God rest his soul. He loved yesterday, too. He was a great patriot. One at the Intrepid Museum, and another on uh, Sunday night. We went to visit Ava at the hospital, me, Danielle, and Gabriel. We decided to go to Chinatown. That was a lot of fun. Went to Mott Street, right across the street from Mohawk, uh, Lewis. And then we walked home all the way back to the building, and we walked through the Oculus at the uh, plaza there by the World Trade Center. And I saw four guys in white suits, Fleet Week, of course, and I ran to take a picture and posted the picture. So I posted two pictures for Memorial Day, and I had the nerve, I had the chutzpah, I had the balls to write Happy Memorial Day. Now, Uh-oh. yeah, so okay. I talked about this yesterday. No one is more sensitive towards stuff like that than me. I refuse to say the anniversary of 9-11. I always say the commemoration because it's a miserable, tragic day. Memorial Day is not, you idiots. Stop going on my Instagram and get rid of the happy. That's disrespectful. No, it's not. They died for that, you stupid idiots. They died so we can have a happy Memorial Day. So we can barbecue, hang out with our family and friends. Memorial Day, while somber, clearly in what it stands for, is not a somber day. In fact, Memorial Day weekend starts the summer. And what is a happier season than the summer? It's everybody's excuse to party with family and friends on Monday. So the idea that you can't say Happy Memorial Day is so stupid, but people wake up in the morning and they just have nothing better to do than get angry about something, you know? (laughs) Happy Memorial Day is fine. These people died 
so you could have a happy Memorial Day. Mine was happy. Happy. Very happy. We had a nice dinner. Took Ava home from the hospital finally after six days. She's going through some really rough stuff. So are me and Danielle and Gabriel, obviously. She's home, but the work just starts. So don't tell me, don't put happy in front of Memorial Day. If you don't get it, you don't do it. Don't tell me what to do. God, that annoyed me. Everybody I spoke to yesterday, friends and family, had a great day. Everybody took time to reflect, don't get me wrong, but everybody had a great day. Were you miserable yesterday, Lewis? No. Of course not. No. So happy post-Memorial Day. Right. And thank you to the brave men and women that make sure we can enjoy and actually have a happy Memorial Day. That's the whole point. You, you can have a good day and still observe. Of course. Of course it's supposed to be. There are certain days. Look, 9-11, the commemoration, that's a miserable day. You're not going to the beach you're not making family barbecues. You're going down to you're going down to Lower Manhattan to hear the names of three thousand people read. Now look, if one of your family members is buried in Arlington and you go to the cemetery yesterday, maybe maybe not a great day for you. But the whole idea of that day is to kick off the summer, get together, respect, reflect, and then start your next three months of sunshine and beach. That's it. You made a good point. If it wasn't for what the service men did, we wouldn't have. Correct. That, that's it's true what that, right. that means. Right. Right. So no, just, no, just, no, no, don't say happy. You're, you're disrespecting. And so no, F you is uh, all I'm going to say to that. And happy flag day coming up. That's it. Yeah, I got to buy a flag. Doing all this great stuff with my house. And it looks like... We may be back in Rockaway June 9th, which is less than two weeks away. And I can't wait. I've enjoyed uh, being back in the city. It's been really convenient for Gabriel. He goes to school here. For me, I work here. But I'm ready to go. I just, you know what it is? I just don't like the people in this city. I've met a lot of people I do like, and I've met a ton I can't stand. I need to go home. Well, other than that, it's a great place. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like everybody where I live. You know, they're all policemen and firemen and first responders and guys that work with their hands. They love Trump. They love this country. Every house has an American flag, every one of them. It's a great area. And I keep seeing every morning on New York One, it's making me jealous, these pictures of the beach in Rockaway. Now, I know this. They lied to me. They told me my beach, I'm not going to tell you my specific block, they told me my beach was open. And I found out about uh, eight, nine days ago from my friend uh, Mike Sullivan, my beach is closed the whole month of June. In fact, as far as I know, in my area, only two blocks are open. So I don't know what yesterday looked like. It was still May, so it was open. But June 1st is what? Thursday. And I think at that point, my block is shut down from the beach. I won't be home till a week later. I'm not sure about that, but... I was jealous looking at that. I had a beautiful day. I sat out by the Hudson, and there's a nice little volleyball court outside my apartment building, lower Manhattan, right by the NYPD Memorial. Got plenty of sun the last couple of days, again, raging a great tan. But it's not like being home. But I did, uh, you know, I did take time to reflect, and I watched uh, some of Mayor Adams' speech yesterday. He spoke. What really made me nauseous, I, I went across the street, from the hospital, when we picked up Ava to take her home, she wanted some uh, smoothie. 
And I've been going to that place every day for like six consecutive days. I've got a TV on. And I walked in just in time to watch Lloyd Austin hand off the football to Joe Biden, sitting there with his stupid glasses on and you know, like he's top gun. He's 150 years old. You know, the guy can't, he can't complete a sentence. And he's sitting there like he's Tom Cruise and Top Gun. And he gets up and makes his speech, and I nearly barfed all over myself. I hate that guy. I hate him. You know, I tried to buy into, well, he's got cognitive issues, and you have to respect the office of the presidency. I hate Joe Biden. I really do. I hate Kathy Hochul with a passion. I came to the realization yesterday on this glorious day that I do have hate in my heart for certain politicians. And I don't respect the office anymore. I don't. You just came to that conclusion. Yeah, I did. Because I thought I can get by this. I thought I can be bigger than that. And I can't be. I just can't be. This lowlife is up there talking about our veterans, our service people, when I'll never forget the image of him looking at his watch, not once, not once, but twice, after 13 of our brave men and women were murdered because of his irresponsibility in Afghanistan, looking at his wife, uh, his watch, not once but twice at the funeral. I'll never forget that. Never, ever forget it. What a piece of garbage. Don't tell me I respect the presidency. He's a lowlife. They all are. Lloyd Austin, he's garbage. The whole thing made me nauseous. So I had to go to Truth Social and watch some stupid video that Trump put up. And it was stupid, but at least it was Trump. And it was all in tin and all the things I love about this country. But Biden, my God, you want to hear some of this? This nonsense? Here's uh, cut number one. Joe Biden talking about tolerance on Memorial Day. Once again, Lewis, your president, not mine, cut number one. On this day, we come together again to reflect to remember, but above all, to recommit to the future what a moron. our fallen heroes fought for. That generation of service <laughs> members who died for a future grounded in freedom, ah. democracy, yes. equality, tolerance, tolerance. opportunity, and yes, justice. Oh. You use those words all the time. Yes, you do. <laughs> We've seen of late here and around the world. None of it. That they have to continually be fought for. Yeah. Not just for some, but for all. This is more important than just our system of government. It's the very soul of America. A soul that was forged by our nation's first patriots. You hear this? A soul that triumphed over trials and testing less <laughs> than century later, uh-huh. a soul that endured because of the sacrifice of generations and generations of the service members ever since. So this guy is not that far removed from calling black people predators. That's what he said. They're predators. Black people are predators. Now, very conveniently, all men are created equal. Here's some more of this nonsense Joe Biden on Memorial Day, cut number two. Today, we must ask ourselves, what can we do? What must we do to pull the vision for which they lived and which they died? Today, it's on all of us, all of us, to ensure that sacrifice was not in vain. 
to keep working toward a more perfect union, one where all women and all men are created equal. We're the only nation in the world built on an idea. Every other nation is formed based on things like geography, ethnicity, religion. We're the only nation in the world built on an idea that we are all created equal. We haven't always lived up to it. Is that right? But we've never walked away from it. No. I mean, such garbage. And the one word that Joe Biden has used, him and his uh, idiot wife, Dr. Jill, what she's a doctor of, I don't know. The one word they've used time and time again, from the day he took over the presidency and on his lawn, like my neighbors upstate with their signs, the word unity was everywhere. And he's done anything but, in fact, for all the troubles you Trump haters out there give Donald, there was a lot more unity during his four years of reign. Barack Obama was the worst. He was the African-American president that was going to walk in and it was all going to be good. Blacks and whites were all going to get along. Turned out to be one of the biggest disasters in the history of the presidency. Let me remind you, folks, under Obama's watch, we had, we had uh, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. We had Freddie Gray in Baltimore. BLM was born under Barack Obama. And here comes Biden, and it's worse than ever. But that didn't stop him once again from using his favorite word, which he practices none of, unity. I know he's sitting down with Kevin McCarthy these days. Wow, way to go, Joe. In an effort not to completely cripple our economy, which he's done a pretty good job of so far. Joe Biden, number three, Lewis, talking about unity. People have heard me say this for a long time. As a nation, we have many obligations. But I believe in every fiber on my being, we have only one truly <laughs> sacred Let me obligation. Say there. Come on. Come on. Prepare those we send into harm's way. Can you way. stop the tape right there and go back? And Noam, I want you to jump in here. Here's our news director, Noam Layden, who's a very, very bright guy. About uh, 20 words into this particular statement by the guy that you voted for, can you please tell me what he says? Can you play it again? I did yes. not hear it. Yes. People have heard me say this for a long time. As a nation, we have many obligations. But I believe in every fiber on my being, we have only one truly Right there. Right there. <laughs> he, sound, he sounds like me during the news hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what you know what he said there, or no, any I have idea? No idea. No. Okay, yeah. play the rest. <laughs> People have heard me say this for a long time. As a nation, we have many obligations, but I believe in every fiber on my being. We have only one truly <laughs> sacred obligation. Come on, that's a moron. Care those we send into harm's way, and care for them and their families when they come home, and when they don't. It's a sacred obligation, not based on party or politics, but on a promise, a promise to unite all of us. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred, not good, nothing more American. <laughs> together, over the last two and a half years, we've worked to make good on a, that promise. Passing more than 25 bipartisan laws. Enough of this, Doc. This is the worst Memorial Day speech (laughs) in the history of the presidency. And don't forget, Corrine Jean Pierre made this very definitive statement not that long ago. President Biden is the greatest 
communicator in the history of the White House. She said that. She did say that. You remember that, Noam? I do, yeah. yeah. How's that going today? Yeah, very well, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I remember it every five my beer. You have to hear this, too. Lee Zeldin is going to join us later because Zeldin is furious. The president is coming up with some plan to combat anti-Semitism. He did a minute speech. He probably said the word anti-Semitism three or four times and could not get it done correctly once. Not once. I'll play it now. Why not? We're going to play it again for Lee Zeldin coming up at 840. But um, listen to how he says anti-Semitism. Where is that here? Uh, do you have that here? Oh, here it is. Cut number five, Lewis. Listen to the president try to say anti-Semitism. Silence is complicity. It cannot remain silent. I will not remain silent. You should not either. That's why today I'm releasing the first ever national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. It's the most ambitious and comprehensive <laughs> U.S. government-led effort to fight anti-Semitism. Oh, <laughs> so, so, so right there. Now, what word was that, Noam? I think it was anti-Semitism. <laughs> I mean, this is the president, man. Come on. Play that one more time, Lewis. Your president trying to say anti-Semitism. Silence is complicity. It cannot remain <laughs> silent. I will not remain silent. You should not either. That's why today I'm releasing the first ever national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. <laughs> it's the most ambitious and comprehensive U.S. government-led effort to fight anti-Semitism aye, in aye, American aye. history. <laughs> and yes, folks. Happy Memorial Day from him. Got a huge show coming your way. The host of the highly rated Other Side of Midnight, my buddy Frank Morano. He'll be here at 640. Curtis Lewa on fire. I mean on fire. He'll join us at 705. Kevin Lace. That man was a big-time sniper. He served alongside Chris Kyle. Went to a couple of tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. Kevin Lace will join me at 725. Our Tuesday visit with the great Bo Deedle coming up at 740. Rich Lowry, usually on Mondays, will stop by today. We were off yesterday. He's coming up at 805. Gnomes Nuggets, 825, 840. The aforementioned Lee Zeldin and my old producer down in South Florida, fresh off his third Emmy Award win on Friday at the Sports Emmys, Victor Bermudez, making his debut on this program, stopping by at 9.05. Going to be a fantastic show. Keep it right here post-Memorial Day with Sid and Friends in the morning only. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Radio 77 WABC. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. <laughs> anyway. Get him out. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight. You let me know. Everything's alright. I'm 
weekend in uh, South Florida. I've been to Hollywood Beach maybe a million times. Johnson Street by the amphitheater. Nine injured in a shooting on Hollywood Beach. I lived in Hallandale for a long time, and that is way too close. Of course, it turns out these are like uh, gang members or some dispute, obviously. I don't think it was uh, two drunk guys at Frenchies from Quebec, which is what that beach really was. When I was a kid growing up, it was loaded, and I mean loaded, with folks from Canada. It's a lovely beach. So that um, that was the, the rough part for Florida. But how about if I tell you that both winter sports, hockey and basketball, are about to start their finals. Hockey starts Saturday. The NBA starts Thursday. And South Florida is represented in both. That is unbelievable. That was like 1994 here in New York. When we had both the Rangers and the Knicks, the Rangers, of course, won the Stanley Cup, beating uh, Pavel Bore in Vancouver, and the Knickerbockers lost to the Rockets. But both teams now, the Miami Heat, that is an unbelievable story. The Heat, who come out of nowhere, the lowest seed in the East, they beat the Bucks because Giannis gets hurt. They go all the way to the finals. They're up three games to nothing on a heavily favored Boston Celtic team. And then the Celtics win three straight to force a game seven at home. And you're going, wow, there's no way Boston, after winning three straight, forcing a game seven at home is going to lose. Lose? They got obliterated. Jimmy Butler, a big game. Caleb Martin, a big game. And after losing three straight, the Heat went on the road in Boston, and they're back in the NBA Finals against the Denver Nuggets. Heat, by the way, have won three NBA championships. Dwayne Wade won all three. LeBron James won two of those. The Nuggets, been in the NBA since 1976, have never played for a championship. So this is all new to them. And then the hockey, my dear friend Vinny Viola, he owns the Florida Panthers. And they're going to take on the Vegas Golden Knights in the same spirit as Boston. Vegas led Dallas three games to nothing. Dallas won two straight, forced a game six back home last night, and lost six nothing to Vegas. So you got the Florida Panthers taking on the Vegas Golden Knights, NHL, South Florida. The Miami Heat taking on the Denver Nuggets, NBA Championship, South Florida. Just so you know where the Panthers play in Sunrise, where I've been a billion times. It's about um, 45 minutes away from where the Heat play, the American Airlines Arena down by Bayside. I've been there a billion times in Miami. So what a weekend. And DeSantis is in Iowa today. He spoke a lot yesterday. We'll get to all that. Ron DeSantis, I thought Eric Adams, nice speech yesterday. Nobody believes him. That's fine. But nice speech at the Intrepid. So much to do and a lot of great guests today. we got uh, Joe Nolan with traffic and Frank Morano closing out the 6 o'clock hour. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to my man, John Katsimatidis. It's the Cats Roundtable with John, where common sense prevails, always telling both sides of the story. Every Sunday morning, starting at 8, listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here John talks with, you guessed it, 
Dr. Sky. Steve, this is Memorial Day weekend. What's going on? Well, good morning, John. Happy Sunday to you and a happy Memorial Day. And we talk about from the world of astronomy, something called supernova. There's really two types of supernova. When an old star, very large, can't process nuclear fuel, the star collapses. Now, we find out, John, just this week, big news, a galaxy 21 million light years away called the Pinwheel Galaxy. There's a supernova there that exploded. It's called SN2023 IXF. So what does it mean? It's actually the brightest supernova that we've seen in a distant galaxy for so long. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Start here on the diamond. Just the Yankees were in action on Memorial Day yesterday, burying the Seattle Mariners late last night by a score of 10 to 4 in the opener of a three game set in Seattle. Domingo Herman came back strong off of his 10 game suspension, pitching into the sixth inning while allowing four and runs on seven hits. He had plenty of help, though, thanks to an 18 hit outburst from the bomber offense, none bigger than the two long balls off the bat of Aaron Judge. And now riding a little three-game win streak here. The Yanks will try and make it four tonight at 9.40 p.m. in the middle game of a three-game set with Seattle. Nestor Cortez is set to take the hill against Seattle's Logan Gilbert. As for the Mets, they'll pick things up at 7.10 p.m. tonight at home against the Philadelphia Phillies for the first of three. Kodai Senga gets the ball against Phillies' Ranger Suarez. In the NBA, the Miami Heat fought off the Boston Celtics 103-84 to in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals to reserve their spot in this year's NBA Finals against the West Denver Nuggets. Those finals are set to get underway this Thursday night in Denver. And on the ice, the Vegas Golden Knights beat down on the Dallas Stars 6 to nothing in Game 6 of the West Final, punching their ticket to this year's Cup Finals against the Florida Panthers out of the East. Game 1 between Florida and Vegas is scheduled for Saturday. What do they have in common? And the Panthers and the Golden Knights. Mm. Come on now. Uh. They're both playing in their second Stanley Cup. Wow. And they both lost their first. Wow. The Panthers lost in 1996 with John Van Beesbrook, our old buddy in the Nets, to Colorado. They got swept by Patrick Waugh. The Golden Knights lost in 2018, only their fourth year in the NHL, right. to five games to Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. I was going to say, though, if you're the Golden Knights uh, front office, you got to be pretty happy with two uh, two Stanley Cup Finals appearances. In, in six years. Yeah. They've done an amazing job. Amazing job. What other team came into the NHL with the Panthers? The Kraken. No. I, I, nope. I'm sorry. I thought you meant the uh, Golden Knights. And it wasn't even the Kraken with the Golden Knights. No. I think they came a couple years later. The Panthers came in with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. There you go. And they're not All the right. Mighty Ducks anymore. No, they're not. So they should go back to that, in my most humble opinion. Anyway, the, uh, <laughs> the Golden Knights, they'll meet the Florida Panthers in the, the uh, Stanley Cup Finals set to begin Saturday night out in Sin City. Here's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to fund a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. You know, I was having this discussion with Bill O'Reilly just a couple of weeks ago. And this is what people are going to angry with me. We've got to stop playing all these other shows' promos in my show. People don't care about these other shows. That's why you get a 7.5. Just wasted three minutes on three other shows on this station. Don't do it here. 
you got to let me talk as much as possible. Right? I mean, that's not hard to figure out. You got big ratings. People love you. Keep talking. Stop playing other shows' promos throughout my show and wasting three or four minutes. Whoever's in charge of that, you need to stop doing that. I don't care whether there's spots or not. Stop doing it. It's a waste. Let me talk. I'll bring on a guest. I'll talk about my family. It's going to be a lot more interesting than some cut from a show from last week. Nobody cares. Nobody. Stop doing it. All right. I'm the only guy in the business that'll actually say that on the air, but that's fine. Quickly, before I get to Frank Morano, we did, uh, Danielle and I went to a Tenafly on Saturday, our old stomping grounds. Had somebody to take care of there in New Jersey. And we did go back to the Tenafly Diner. We love that place. Turns out the owner, Dimitri, listens every morning, every morning. And his manager, Willie, Willie was my waiter when Ava was one 18 years ago. And we lived in Tenafly. They listen every day. So to Dimitri, Willie, and the crew at Tenafly Diner, good morning. Frank Morano does a tremendous job on the overnights. Gets huge ratings. Other side of midnight. Now he's on this show once a week because he's terrific. Frank Morano, happy post-Memorial Day, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, Sid. Not quite as tan as you are, and uh, <laughs> did not get to enjoy quite as many promos as your audience was treated to. I'm enough of that. But, uh, well, God. Yeah, that's for sure. But I mean, I stupid. Great. great weekend. I'm glad. Yeah, you look good. I saw you this morning. You, you look uh, sunburned and rested and all that good stuff. But I told you the one story that really pissed me off this weekend there's this young lady, and if you own a law firm, I am begging you, do not hire this person. Don't do it. Somebody will, because AOC will speak up for her or one of these or other, uh, one of her friends. Her name is Fatima Musa Muhammad. And during her commencement speech, commencement speech at a CUNY school, happened to be uh, New York law, she said, uh, and I quote, it's time for a revolution Got to take on the legal system's white supremacy. She blasted cops. She blasted the U.S. military and claimed Israel carries out indiscriminate murder. This is during a commencement speech. And I'm saying this as a taxpayer and a proud Jew who loves the state of Israel here in New York. I don't want to pay towards CUNY anymore because this is not the first time we've seen this from the faculty, from the students, what a bunch of low lives! My God, what is going on, Frank? Well, you know, I mean, I guess what do you expect when these people are being taught by professors that hurl machetes at reporters, right? But um, <laughs> you have a situation where e- even a lot of leading Democratic politicians in New York, Congressman Richie Torres from the Bronx, not considered a conservative by any means, said, "Imagine being so crazed by hatred for Israel as a Jewish state that you make it the subject of your commencement speech at a law school graduation." He termed this anti-Israel derangement syndrome at work, and I think he's right. And I think you're right. I mean, why should the taxpayers be forced to subsidize something that's not only anti-Semitic but blatantly anti-cop, blatantly racist, and blatantly anti-military? I mean, look, if you want to do that at a private university. Uh, okay, that's one thing. But I mean, I think to do this at, a, at an institution that enjoys billions of taxpayer dollars from the taxpayers of the city of New York, it's completely inappropriate. I think there needs to be some guidelines on these publicly funded universities considered acceptable speech at a commencement. I mean, free speech advocate, as you, as you know, sir, yeah. I don't you know, I think people should largely be able to say what they want. Not this. But you shouldn't. You shouldn't get it subsidized by the taxpayer. Yeah, $4.3 billion 
Chuni gets uh, a year in taxpayer money. And I got to tell you, whether you like the mayor, Eric Adams, or not, I don't care. He had a speech a couple of weeks ago at a SUNY institution, and they turned their backs on him because they hate cops. So now you got CUNY, the City University of New York. You've got SUNY, the State University of New York, raising a whole generation of cop haters, military haters, Jew haters. I don't want to pay for it anymore. Something needs to be done today. Well, I, I think that, I think there are a lot of good students at, at CUNY, but the fact that they allow this – and by the way, she bashed CUNY as well. She bashed the school. She yeah. said the school um, cooperates with cops. Well, no, excuse me, continues to train and cooperate with the fascist NYPD. I mean, it's just it's, – it's totally inappropriate. By the way, I, I graduated from a CUNY school. I graduated uh, from Baruch. Uh, yeah, I know. It took me seven years, four schools, University of Miami, Brooklyn College, Kingsborough College, and Baruch. But I graduated, and I just got a text from our mutual dear friend, the great defense attorney, Arthur Idala. He says, I'm also a CUNY grad, and I'm sick over this. Uh, one more text for you, Frank, the lovely Kimberly Kravitz. She's in a car oh. right now with her father, Frankie, and Kyle listening to you and I. She called us the dream team. All right. Uh, this CUNY uh, story well, uh, that's very nice. Yes, very nice. Uh, yes, this CUNY nice. story. Congratulations is, is, to Kim about to become an aunt and her, uh, I saw her that, father, yes. Frank, about to become a grandfather. Very yes, exciting. very, very exciting. Her sister, yes. So the other story I wanted to cover was uh, with you was uh, weeks ago you did a, a great job on this. You sent a letter complaining about the judge who is in the Alvin Bragg, Donald Trump, Joe Tacopina case in that uh, you found out that this judge donates money to Joe Biden. And how could a judge preside over a case with Donald Trump when he, in fact, donates money to Trump's potential competitor? I thought it was a great job out of you, really great. And then I guess it turns out they sent you a letter Based on your complaint, I saw the letter, and it basically said, thanks for wasting our time and your time. Go away, <laughs> F you. Right? Is that about right? Yeah. And yeah. To be clear, I mean, people should be able to contribute whoever they want to, but judges are bound specifically by a code of judicial conduct and a code of judicial ethics that prohibits them making contributions to anybody. So this is what they sent me. Dear Mr. Morano, this will acknowledge receipt of your communication to the commission. The matters you note have already been brought to the commission's attention, and your communication will be added to that file. Because the commission's work is confidential by law, we cannot comment further at this time. And for your information, this is where it gets a little snarky, we've enclosed some background material concerning the commission, its jurisdiction, and its limitations. Uh, we do appreciate the concerns you have expressed. Thank you for running to the commission. Yeah, I, I'm sure they really do appreciate it. Please. Very. It was basically just a total form letter, you know. I mean, right, no exactly right. Response yeah. at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, they just uh, changed the name. What is going on with that uh, Davidson radio group? I know my friend Inna Vernikoff who I'm endorsing, of course, in her uh, city council run in Brooklyn, my old neighborhood, the Midwood section, Sheepshead Bay, Brighton Beach, Manhattan Beach, that uh, that fine area. What happened with that uh, that radio group in Brooklyn? What was that all about? Well, look, um, you, you have this situation where this uh, Davidson, who has quite a following, and I'm sure we have a lot of the same listeners, but basically... He is essentially the Russian Al Sharpton, uh, not in terms of ideology, but in terms of 
kind of he's the go-to ethnic Russian uh, for New Yorkers and maybe even beyond that. And he, he has a following. A lot of Russian-speaking people listen to Davidson Radio. And he does this thing where he basically shakes down politicians, where he'll say, hey, wouldn't it be nice if you bought a whole bunch of campaign ads on our station and in exchange, he'll support you. And am now, I to assume that now I know that uh, Inna is uh, in her primary is running against a Russian guy who makes a lot of, quote unquote, local radio appearances. Am I to assume this Davidson guy shaking down the politicians? That's him. Yes. Well, the, you know, that's right. I mean, Ina did not buy uh, the ads that I guess Davidson thought was appropriate. So he went out and recruited this other guy who's a friend of his to basically run against her. And he's going to try and mobilize all these ethnic Russians to vote against her in the primary. I don't see her working. Uh, I mean, I don't see that strategy working. Uh, Vernikov is still very popular among Republicans and I think she has appealed beyond the Russian community. So it'll be a competitive general election as well. But I don't see this uh, being a competitive Republican primary. Davidson, when he's run for city council before as a write-in or on the ballot, he gets about 10 to 15 percent of the vote. I would guess his candidate probably does slightly better than that this time around. But no, I mean, what can you criticize her on? She's exactly where the district is on issue after issue. All right, one more minute to go. This really goes to show you how fierce Donald Trump is fighting Ron DeSantis, who will be in Iowa today. We know there's no love loss. In fact, they hate each other, Trump and Cuomo. Even I, in my short cell phone conversation with Cuomo about a month and a half ago, uh, got the, the feeling that Cuomo hates his guts because I defended Donald Trump. But here's how much he hates DeSantis. Are you telling me that Donald Trump has claimed that Andrew Cuomo handled COVID better than Ron DeSantis? Uh, that's right. I mean, I, I know it's a bizarre claim, but sure enough, um, he said, how about the fact, you know, that he had the third most deaths of any state having to do with China virus or COVID? Even Cuomo did better. He was number four. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it, 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 you know, first of all, Florida had less uh, excess mortality than California or New York. And part of that is because states like California had excess mortality derived from this lockdown policy, which was totally avoidable. So, I, I mean, and uh, DeSantis pointed that out when he was on with uh, Ben Shapiro on his podcast. I mean, look, I, I understand where uh, Trump is coming from. He's looking to criticize everything DeSantis does. But, I mean, so much of the reason DeSantis won by such a wide margin in Florida is because he kept the state open and didn't see significantly more deaths than states like New York and California that had more stringent lockdown policy. And, uh, I mean, I think when Trump does stuff like that, it causes a lot of supporters and detractors alike to kind of roll their eyes and shake their head. Right, 30 seconds to go. Are you going to see my dear friend Michael at the Talkers Convention at Hofstra this Friday? That's right. I had Michael on the radio this morning. We were talking about AM radio and Forge. I will be there. 
uh, this Friday, and unless he omits me from the heavy hundred, then I will be skipping it in protest. <laughs> but I, I'm on a panel, and I enjoy watching a lot of the panels and uh, meeting a lot of our colleagues from around the country. John speaking. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Brian Kilmeade is going to be speaking. I'm looking nice. forward to hearing what he has to say. Matt Meany is uh, going to be on the panel as well, apparently. So uh, WABC will be well represented at the Talkers Convention Friday. And don't wait. forget uh, Chad Lopez also speaking there on Friday. And I know Mike loves Sean Hannity. He always gets a large chunk of the mornings there. When is that uh, stupid list coming out? I told Michael Harrison a couple of weeks ago, if I'm in the low 20s, which I am almost every year, me and Bernard, and now the show's doing even better ratings-wise, revenue-wise, than it ever has, and I'm in New York, the toughest market in the world, if this show is not top 10, top 15, you could wipe your ass with that list. When is that stupid list coming out? I don't know. I would assume in the next day or two, though. But honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they got guys, not listen, I've never heard of that are ahead of me because they're on 30 markets. Who cares about that? Get a 7-5 in New York City, then we'll talk. Anyway, uh, I love you. You're great. (laughs) Another great appearance. And we'll do it again next week, Frank Morano. Thank you so much. Brother, I love you, too. I'm glad you had a nice holiday. And uh, it's uh, a pleasure to always be on and to call you a colleague. My man, Frank Morano, tremendous job. Other side of midnight, 1 to 5 a.m. Every weekday morning here on WABC. That wraps up a great hour number one. Exciting hour number two about to come your way. Curtis Sliwa, he's on fire. He gets us going at 7.05. Hero veteran, sniper Kevin Lace. He joins us at 7.25. Then we'll talk to the great Bo Deedle. Amazing every Tuesday at 7.40. Sliwa, Lace, and Deedle coming up. Walking down the street, I'm feeling all right with my boys and with my troops, yeah. And down along the avenue, some guys were shooting pool, and I heard the sound of our capella groups, yeah. Singing late in the evening, and all the girls out on the stoops, yeah. 77 WABC. This is sitting friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. I've got a song, I ain't Big Ron DeSantis is gonna kick off his campaign today in Iowa. It was a fun first hour. Frank Morano was great. This is going to be a terrific hour. Curtis Sliwa on fire. Set to join me momentarily. Then Kevin Lace. Man served a bunch of tours in Afghanistan, Iraq. He was a sniper. He served alongside Chris Kyle. That was his best friend. Remember the movie they made about Chris Kyle starring Bradley Cooper? And Kyle eventually came home, was killed by a crazy person in the state after surviving in the Middle East. Kevin Lace will join us talk about his Memorial Day coming up at 730 and then we will talk to Bo at about 7.45. But yesterday, I got a day off. I'm going to take a bunch of days off during the summer. And John Katsimatidis and Curtis did a phenomenal job. I listened to most of it, filling in for me. Really great job. And at one point I said to John, because I know Curtis has been getting some flack from people around town. And John hears it. So do I. So I got to tell you, I don't believe any of the politicians the guy, and I left out Nancy, and I apologize, because Nancy Sliwa, Curtis's wife, who's not even feeling well, God bless her, has done a tremendous amount of legwork throughout these last couple of weeks. But the one guy that's been on the money and uh, telling me things, at least, that for the most part have turned out to be true, while politicians continue to lie 
has been Curtis. And I said that on the air with John yesterday. He said, maybe we'll make a, we'll have a, a ticket tape parade for Curtis. But I meant that, Curtis. You've been on fire. You've been great. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sid. First off, let me join you in solidarity about the clutter issue. <laughs> there is nobody out there sitting in their car listening to their AM radio, and we want to keep those AM radios alive, who says, oh, I see there's a promo for a show that's on at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon oh, on yeah. Saturday. Let me make a notation of that, <laughs> and let me listen. You're the number one rated show in the entire tri-state area in the morning. Get rid of the clutter. Now, if it's paid for, Different. if they come with right. Moolah Shmoolah, Shamolis to pay the bills, we understand that. Correct. This is the business that we have chosen. <laughs> but to have these endless promos, it affects the programs I do. I can go back. I can go outside. I can get a sandwich, a cup of soup, walk around the block. <laughs> They're playing 52 promos for shows that I wouldn't listen to if my life depended yeah. on it. Well, now you're the second person to say it because Bill O'Reilly called me last week. He said, I want to hear more Sid. I don't care about a show coming up at uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon or 3 o'clock this afternoon or Sid. 9 o'clock tonight. Sid, you know I don't what this care. is. This is what's called lazy radio when you just plug in promos. Don't do that. Uh, it's cut cut them down. Yeah, They're don't do of it. no consequence. Enough of this. This is talk radio. People want to hear us talk. That's it. They want to hear us talk. That's it. And they want to hear us, most importantly, entertain. Not just talk. Anybody can talk. Crazy people are roaming around the streets right now with schizophrenic yeah. who are talking. Let Sid talk, let me talk, and the ratings skyrocket. Play promos, and you'll be back where you were before. Couldn't agree more. Now, uh, yesterday, uh, John was very good with this. He made it sound very, very exciting, and it is. He said, make sure you tune in when Sid returns tomorrow, because at 7.05, the great Curtis Sliwa is going to make a major announcement. Now, I know you tease this on your show with Anthony Weiner on Saturday. But I believe this will be the official proclamation that, yes, Curtis Sliwa is about to enter the ring. That is correct. And I've already conscripted as my manager, you said, because I mean, Jews in the history of boxing have always made the best managers. You know, you, you, you know what's funny about what you just said? You said Jews in the history of boxing have always been the best managers. What if I said to you 100 years ago, the best boxers, not managers, were Jews. Absolutely. Starting with Max Baer, who would actually get into the ring with the what we always used to call the Jewish symbol, the Ben-Hur symbol. We didn't know what the, oh, the Star of David. The toughest and roughest mobsters at one point were Jews. The toughest and roughest boxers were Jews. And who is the toughest Jew of all time? Jake LaMotta. He His was mother was a Jew. Really? That, that's why I tell Jews, you know, they're eating their, 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 their sandwiches, yeah, you know. Yeah. I say, you know, the toughest Jew of all time was. I say, who? I said, Jake Lamotta. They said, get out of here, man. What are you talking about? He's Italian. I said, what? You never thought of, there were Italian Jews? His mother was Jewish. You know that. The moment your mother oh, you're is Jewish. a Jew, you're that's Jew. It. That's right. Which relates to who I want to get into the well, ring by with. by the way, just so you folks know, if you don't know this, uh, Jake Lamotta, the movie was Raging Bull with the great Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. He played Jake Lamotta in Raging Bull. And Max Baer, you may remember, he lost once to the Cinderella Man. Russell Crowe played that part in the movies, and that guy lived in Tenafly, New Jersey. Whoa, whoa, the trivia is <laughs> pouring out fast and furiously. But let's look at the other Jew that you don't even know about. 
John Gotti Jr. is Jewish. What? His mother, Victoria Gotti Sr., is a Jew. Wait, Victoria Gotti Sr. is Jewish? That is correct. So, again, if you're born of a mother who's Jewish, you are a Jew. Even if you're not bar mitzvah, clearly he was brought up with John Gotti as his father, senior, of course. Even if he, he didn't have a battalion. Even if he didn't have a bris. Even if the moil uh, showed up with a Rambo knife with right. a blindfold on, like uh, like Rabbi Joe Potashnik, right, and snipped the wrong <laughs> yeah. part, right? You're a Jew for life. Well, that's why you've got two beautiful sons. And they're both Jewish. That's one, right. of, one of them is named Anthony, which is anything but Jewish. No, no, no. Remember, I have three sons. It's like my three sons. Anthony is the Gentile. He's the Gentile, right? That's right. That's Hunter the, is Jewish. Hunter and Carter. Carter, right. Now, to give you an example, Hunter was with me at the start of the parade, Metropolitan Avenue, Forest Hills, Memorial Day Parade. I said to Hunter, Hunter, you go to public school. Uh, did they teach you anything about the Memorial Day weekend leading up to this? No. Nothing. Then, Anthony, my oldest, was with me in College Point yesterday. Uh, College Point and also in Little Neck, Douglaston. Oh, so many fans there, Sid. So many fans. And I was walking with him. I said, did they teach you about Memorial Day weekend leading up to this parade? No. Nothing. So I hear the mayor yesterday, and he said the right thing, but he never does it, that the kids should be doing the Pledge of Allegiance at the start of the school day. Absolutely correct. But, hey, Mr. Mayor, are you aware that not only do they not do the Pledge of Allegiance, but they're not even taught about Memorial Day, Veterans Day? No, he is aware of that. I've had these uh, conversations, and I've gone for dinner, as you know, with my beautiful wife, Danielle, and my 14-year-old son, Gabriel, twice with the mayor. And he's asked him, he goes, what do you learn? And Gabe says, nothing about the Holocaust, right. nothing about 9-11. Right. All we learn about every day is civil rights and slavery. That's all they teach you in New York City. So the mayor is aware, and he did say yesterday that our kids don't know what the hell is going right. on. But he controls a $36 billion budget with the Department of Education. I call that the acronym DOE, dumbest organization ever. <laughs> you, could literally, you could go to your chancellor banks and say, I want this mandated. Start of the day, I realize you're, you're, you're shaking down the kids to make sure they don't have guns and knives and drugs on them. But you got to take a moment just to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And it'll be okay. like that scene out of Cheech and Chong, remember, where the sister goes, class! <laughs> You'll never get these kids' attention. But if he is serious about it, he must do it, not just talk about it. I agree with because you. Because he was in front of a veteran's group. Of course, a trepid and look great. He had the glasses on, the whole thing. But you're right, he has to do it. Now, getting back to the boxing talk. Now, yes. for some reason today, you're walking around and you've got a pant leg raised above your knee, and there's a really nasty, grotesque lump on your knee, which nobody wants to see, mind you. By the way, it looks like a second knee. Yes, it does. It's like a protrusion. You <laughs> would think that I have two kneecaps. Right, so what makes you think that any of us want to see that circa 7 a.m.? No, no, I have to I have to allow it to move around. Has or the air it, out? If it gets stiff, oh, I'm boy. not even going to be able well, to. What move. happened? What is it? I'm training. You know that. No, but how, you hurt yourself training for the fight? I, I went jogging in Central Park, even <laughs> oh though, by the way, I did 40 hours and 72 hours, three days of programming to set a new National Guinness World Book of Records for broadcasting. Do I get invited to Talkers Magazine? I mean, they invited everybody here at WABC. I set the record. And you know what I get? I get who gods. Well, I here, get here's the good news. I'm not going because of that. 
I mean, I wasn't going before, but now I've got an excuse. Good, good. Now you have a reason. <laughs> you screwed courtesy. You screwed Every time me. you interview uh, Frank, you say, oh, you have such a great tan. I had a substitute for that guy. <laughs> Doesn't he realize he's got a nationally syndicated overnight show, the other side of midnight? And half the time, I'm substituting for him. Hey, go, Brick. Do your job. <laughs> By the way, if you give up, as you know, Sid, you give up a minute of your radio time to me, an hour of your radio time. I'm like a Pac-Man. You may never get it back. Oh, I know that. That's so people go to me, why would you put this guy on your show five days a week while he says all these lovely things about you in the afternoon and seemingly you guys are friends? He will stab you in the back. Oh, and I, I say, of course I know that. I would get on top of that roller that they lay asphalt with, and I would turn you into a speed bump, give you the best eulogy you ever had, Sid Rosenberg, and I would say, hey, go back to Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. Right? Go ahead with the Alta Cacas well, here. Get online Hollywood. for the Bluebird special, Blue Plate special, and get your trout. I'm not sure about Hollywood. They shot nine people on the beach there yesterday, but you haven't even told people yet. Yes. This has been a brilliant 14 minutes, yes, as you yes. Always are. You're great. You haven't even told people yet who you're fighting in this epic matchup. Well, you have to arrange it, Mr. Bob Arum, my Jewish manager. And I need a cut, man. So I'm figuring, who's the best guy in the world that will cheat in the ring? Hey, that's Peter King, right? <laughs> Let's face it. He'll cheat on my part. And yeah. then, of course, I need the trainer. You need now, the trainer. It could be the Teddy Atlas, greatest trainer of all time. Or maybe even Bo Dito who will teach me. Every method to cheat listen, my way to victory. Bo can fight still in his 70s. I don't know anybody that can beat up Bo Deedle, but you got to go with Teddy. He's a Hall of Fame boxing oh, trainer. Uh, Peter King, don't forget, along with John McCain, at one point tried to develop that boxing commission, yes. which is what Teddy Atlas wants to do today. We'll put Bo in your corner because he'll be there for support like Joe Takapina was there for me. So we'll have Bo Deedle, Teddy Atlas, Peter King, and me and in one your other. corner. Former police commissioner Ray Kelly, who was the oh. boxing commissioner of the state of New York. Yes, I was in many boxing matches with yeah. him. He is a boxing aficionado. Now I got my team, right? We're not going to call it the dream team because they might deport all of us, right? <laughs> now I got my team. Hey, the Gotti kid, Gotti 3, is getting in the ring for an exhibition with Mayweather right down there near Hollywood, right? Yeah, they're making a ton of money. Floyd Mayweather taking on John Gotti the third, John Gotti's grandson. Turns out, I didn't know this, he's had five fights in the MMA. He's won four out of the five, and they say the kid is very, very tough. Good. Go ahead. Knock yourself out with Mayweather. Uh, but why not a preliminary? Why not the preliminary? John Gotti Jr., who fancies himself as a tough guy, a uh, guy, a devotee of UFC, mixed martial arts, put him in the ring. I got 10 years on him, many more battle scars than him, and let's get it on with the preliminary, and let's do it for a charity for animal rights, because he's an animal yes, lover. Yes, he is. He never loved people. He loved to kill people, but he loves animals. So what do you say we get it on? You guys actually, like, almost made out during the summer a couple of years ago at an animal event. So this would be uh, not the grandson fighting Mayweather, his father, the same guy, John Gotti's son, the same guy that put the, the hit Jewish on you. The Jewish guy, the Jewish guy. He can yeah. wear the Star of David yes. because he's Jewish, you know. But he was the guy that put the hit on you when yep. you were shot six times. Yeah, and by the way, yeah. you want a second opportunity, 
Uh, Mike Leonardi, who shot me five times with hollow point bullets, is out of federal prison. Why don't you have him train there at Rodman's Neck near City Island where the cops go for their target practice and try again to put a hit on me? This is an unbelievable matchup. I you mean this. You can do it, Bob. I, I, Aram, I, I, I can Rose do it. Mike. I'm going to do it. What and you night. hold the purse. You hold the purse. Well, I don't know about that. Well, wait a second. Come on. <laughs> I trust you, Sid, implicitly. No. You, uh, I oh, be that fine. would be a mistake. Yeah, that would be a big trust mistake. Trust in the Jewish guy as a manager. <laughs> but what a night of boxing. Mayweather. Gotti three, mm. and before that, Sliwa picking on the man that ordered the hit. Gotti two, if you will, John Gotti's son. This will be a tremendous night of boxing in the blue corner, out of Canarsie, Brooklyn, weighing in at 194 pounds. Curtis, the real deal, Sliwa. Love that, love that. By the way, I'm in the red corner. I'm in the red corner. Oh, of course, and red corner. Who's in the blue corner with Gotti Jr.? Frank Morano, that traditor. <laughs> That's his best friend. He was at his wedding. Uh, not only at his wedding, he was his best man. <laughs> he was on the phone call when they put the hit out on you, just seeing so you know. Damn right. And he probably gave the okay to the commission. Yeah, whack him. I'll, I'll, I'm like a GPS. I'll let you know every movement he makes. All right, folks. There you have it. Curtis Sliwa, John Gotti Jr., it's going to happen. It's going to happen the same night as Mayweather and Gotti 3. Oh, the fight of the year, folks, coming to South Florida. Stay tuned right here for more details. My guy, Curtis Sliwa, he's going to win big and knock out a Gotti. More of Sid and Friends in the morning right after this. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Well, first, I think what we need to do as a veteran is recognize that our, our military uh, has become politicized. Uh, you talk about gender ideology. You talk about things like global warming that they're somehow concerned. And that's not the military that I served in. We need to return our military uh, to focusing on uh, commitment, focusing on the core values and the core mission. That would be something that I could take care of on day one. Uh, there'll be a new sheriff in town as commander-in-chief, and I think you'll see recruiting start to get back to where it needs to be because people don't want to join a woke military, and I think it's been really, really problematic. Look, in terms of what's going on over in Eastern Europe, um, you know, I'd like to see a, a settlement of this. I do not want to see a wider war. I think it's completely unknowable what it will look like in January of 2025, uh, but I would not want to see the United States with our troops uh, get enmeshed uh, in a war in Russia or in Ukraine. Well, I can stand beside ideals I think are right. And I can stand beside the idea to stand and fight. I do believe there's a dream for everyone. This is our Listen, I'm still a Trump guy. I'm going to be a Trump guy right through this election. But right there, Ron DeSantis, uh, as a guy that did serve and Trump didn't, he sounded great. And this day after Memorial Day, I'm going to bring this guy on. He's a dear friend of mine, has been for years. In fact, he shows up every now and then. Amazingly, he lives in Texas, but he shows up in Brooklyn. 
September 10th every year at the Wall of Remembrance to honor those who died on 9-11, served two tours in Iraq, and the movie American Sniper, which was about uh, the heroic American sniper Chris Kyle, played brilliantly by uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, Kevin Lace was uh, one of Kyle's best friends, and his, uh, he was in the movie too, not him, but certainly uh, an actor playing him. Here he is, back again, as he is most of these days, my friend Kevin. Kevin, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Sid. Great to call in. And uh, I'm actually in Florida. It's uh, the, the uh, superior side of Texas, if I like to say it that way. Uh, we get a lot of Texans here in the summertime, but I'm in Florida. And I love it. It's great to be on the show again. Oh, so you spend half the year in Texas and half the year in Florida, the, the two great states. No, 100%, one by... 100% Yeah, I mean, Florida. you got 100% oh, 100% Florida. Florida. So you went from Governor Abbott in Texas, pretty good. Governor DeSantis in Florida, great. So is it fair to assume then, Kevin, that uh, you moved to Florida to get to DeSantis' state, that he's your candidate for 2024? Yeah, I migrated down from North Carolina. Um, you know, I, I heard your intro, and I've always been a Trump supporter. I think he's a fighter. He's done a fantastic job for this country. Um, you know, he really reinvigorated uh, the Republican Party and, and a lot of hardcore supporters. Um, I think, you know, things have changed a little bit. I'm always going to support Trump. But I think if you look going forward, just like the governor articulated, you know, there's a lot of challenges ahead, um, the military being one of them. You know, like uh, when the governor was in, when I was in, it was mission success. That was the shared, you know, commonality that we all had was we all believed that the mission came first. Now we've changed that to individual successes. And you can't have that that unifier um, there when it comes to mission success when you have that wokeness. And, and I think the governor's on point and the, the military is a big part of where we go as the future. You know, we need to be strong. We need strong borders. We need a strong military, and I think the governor's our choice. I mean, if you're on a rooftop again, let, let's throw this back. I know you served between 2002 and 2010, and you're on a roo- rooftop in Baghdad uh, with Chris Kyle to your right, and I don't know, somebody with blue hair and a nose ring to your left with a gun, and this is not about being politically correct or being fair. That ain't going to work for you, is it? Not with your life on the line every day like it was for the better part of nine years. Man, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I did, I did serve some ugly dudes in the teams, um, <laughs> but none of them have blue hair and a nose ring. Right. But I can tell you this, you know, the the appearance thing. It's, you know, I just go into boot camp. You get your head shaved. Everybody's the same, and you put all of your individuality off to the side because your job is to be the best version of you to support the men and women to the right and left of you. If you can't do that, you know, maybe the military is not your choice. Um, but I think that's a stake that we all should take a look at. You know, if our military can't get together and the people serving in the military, joining the military can't get together, you know, our, our securities are in danger. Um, yeah. And that may not be as, as apparent as we all think, but it, it is really in, in danger if it's not this generation or the next. Well, people say, this is again, uh, Kevin Lace, real American hero, a uh, bunch of tours in Iraq, and again, Kyle's best friend, the movie American Sniper, post-Memorial Day, people say that uh, because our military now is so woke, Kevin, that it's not as good as it used to be. Others say that may be true, but we're still the best army. Like people, for other words, people are afraid that China is going to one day attack us, not just through computers and grids, but literally militarily attack us. And a lot of Americans feel like me, that we would still win even though we are woke. And others feel like, no, we are no longer the greatest military in the world. What does Kevin think? 
Yeah, I disagree. You know, I, I still believe that we are the greatest, but heavy lies the crown. As soon as you start saying you're the greatest, um, you know, the easiest direction you can go is down. Um, and, and I think it's that, uh, that drive that we need to have to stay the front runner. And, and let, let's be, let's be clear here. You know, the, the men and women that are serving at the upper levels of our military, you know, in the tier one units, you know, the forward action, they are the best of the best. And I think where we're, we're focusing in on a small part of the military that really, you know, I think it's a transient thing. I really do. I think they're going to fall flat in their faces. Recruiting numbers fall, but I still believe by and large. And I just was in San Diego with a lot of a great friends of mine that are still serving at the tip of the spear. We do have the best um, and we will yeah. continue to have the best. I think I agree. we need to vote the best in coming here uh, in the fall. Yeah, that's the problem. The face of the military, for example, Memorial Day, the president spoke yesterday and there's nothing rugged or tough or real patriotic or American about Biden. Then you get people like General Milley. What a horrible job those guys did in Afghanistan. Lloyd Austin. Those are the faces. Those are the guys we see when we talk about the military. And those are not the faces I want to see. Like you said, very minimal percentage. And they're not the ones out there on the battlefield. But those are the faces we see. And for lots of Americans like me, Kevin, that's scary. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think we've we've done a, a great job uh, recently of transitioning out, you know, true active warfighters, guys that have made a, men and women that have made a difference in the last 20 plus years in the war and terror and beyond um, in order to, you know, change the direction of where we want to go. And I think, you know, the general and and uh, his his uh, his court um, have 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 shown that, you know, we've we've pushed out true innovators, guys that and men and women that have kept us safe, but also are forward thinkers. And I think that's where we need to be. The think tanks um, are, are being lost. They're going to the private side. And it's unfortunate because on Memorial Day, you sit back and reflect and you look at each and every service member that has given their their life, the ultimate sacrifice for this country. And to see that, you know, uh, squandered, I think, in a lot of ways um, is, is disappointing, to say the least. Every time I introduce you, I talk about your relationship with uh, American sniper Chris Kyle, again, played by Bradley Cooper in the movies. And I'm always nervous. Do I exaggerate it? Is it, is it correct? I mean, as far as I know, Kevin, you and Chris were pretty tight and served together a couple of times. And I remember the first time I had you on, I was furious with people like Seth Rogen in Hollywood who said snipers are basically cowards. They shoot you when you're not looking. Are you serious? You're calling an American sniper who served tours in Iraq and Afghanistan a coward? But that was the case. You remember that? I do. And uh, Seth's a Canadian. Um, and I saw him in <laughs> New York City. I saw him in New York City for, uh, for, for an event. And um, I, I, I mentioned that. He oddly had nothing to say when we actually met in person. But I think that's kind of the way that the cowards go. You know, you throw grenades from afar. Um, but when you're up close and personal, um, there's there's cowardice. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think um, there's just a lot of people that don't understand the surgical aspect of snipers in the use of, of battlefield. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. And to your point, um, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, the Marine Corps in a lot of ways got rid of the scout sniper program recently. Um, and that's that's unfortunate because snipers aren't just, you know, uh, direct action. They're not just shooting. There are a lot of reconnaissance. And if you look at the way warfare is going um reconnaissance is key and whether that's via drone or you know human reconnaissance is very very important so yeah seth is just uh he's just a you know he's in the echo chambers of idiocracy so i don't really listen to people like that good for you how close were you with chris kyle 
Chris is a good buddy of mine, and, and I, you know, I've never lived in Texas, but, uh, you know, going to Chris's funeral, um, you know, really made me appreciate um, how patriotic Texans are. And when I got to meet Chris at the team level, um, I got to meet him on, a, on the personal level. He was a true patriot, and his family are, are true patriots, and many of the people in Texas are true patriots. And he had an ability to um, inspire people around him and make them better. Um, and you really felt that that energy when you were around Chris. And, and I was fortunate to serve with him. At SEAL Team 3, and then also uh, we worked together with wow. his company when I got out of the Navy. You are the best, man. So if uh, they called you today and said, listen, we need you to go back into combat, grab a rifle, go to Iraq, go to not Iraq, go to uh, Beijing, I don't know where they would send you. But if they called you today, Kevin Lace, you'd be at the airport in 15 minutes, right? I would, and about 800 milligrams of Motrin times three. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You did, you did uh, put a couple of years on since the last time you were out there. So in closing, Kev, and uh, hopefully I'll see you again this September. We'll talk again a bunch of times before. What is your message, your uh, day after Memorial Day message for the brave men and women that you served with and for folks in this country who never served, who maybe should show a little more appreciation? Yeah, I posted this, this on my Instagram. You know, I spent Saturday uh, with the Boy Scouts, my son's troop, putting, um, you know, flags in the graves here at Barrancas uh, in, in Pensacola. And, um, you know, maybe think, and I and I, I know a lot of men and women um, who, who I've worked with that have, that have died in combat, and it gave me a great time to reminisce and, and think back to the type of human beings they they were. And, you know, nobody celebrates a life cut short, and, you know, a lot of those people were exactly in that case. But, having served with them and lived with them inspires me to be bigger, stronger, faster, smarter in everything that I do. Um, and I just try and live my life each day better than the last, because that is what they expect to be. And that's what they live by. Um, and I, my message to everyday Americans is just to be better than you were yesterday, be more engaged in your family, in your job, in your community, in your church, and just be better because that's what they would want of you. What a great message. You're a true American hero. You've been a great friend over many, many years now, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll see you again very soon, buddy. God bless you. Absolutely. Thank you, Sid. My man, Kevin Lace, real American hero, two terms in Iraq. And uh, thank God got home, unlike, as he said, a lot of his buddies. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Come on. Come on. My man distinguished himself over the better part of two decades as one of the greatest cops in the history of New York City. He's gone on to become a tremendous actor. Great motion pictures like Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, Goodfellas. And uh, great TV shows, too. I did find out that June 29th, it looks like, will be the season two premiere of Gravesend. Both me and Bo were in that. He's great in that. He's tremendous in Godfather of Harlem. And most importantly, of all the friends I've got in my life, he's number one. I make a call to Bo Deedle. He's there in five minutes. Here he is for his Tuesday appearance. He's on every Tuesday and Thursday. My dear friend, the great Bo Deedle. Good morning, Bo. Good morning. Good morning, my friend. And all I can say is that you and Curtis are right, right on together. And you know what? It's all about the Pledge of Allegiance. I can't believe they're not doing the Pledge of Allegiance in the school anymore. What What has happened? What has happened to our, our feeling of patriotism? What has happened? And we see it with this garbage 
this Fatima Musa Muhammad that you mentioned, a graduate, it's going to be a, a, a probably going to be a teacher, probably be a professor, and probably going to be teaching our young kids about how you go against the NYPD, the military, and everything that is good for us. They want to knock. And Israel, and Israel, she she called she called Israelis murderers. Right, and they want us to have a revolution. Hey, wherever you come from, Fatima Muhammad, go back, take your family back, get the hell out of my United States of America. You want a revolution? You want us to go down? Why don't you just leave and get out of here, you punk? She's a punk. <laughs> and I'm so glad that other scumbag, Shelly Rodriguez, the one with the machete, oh. they, locked her, they locked her ass up, thank God. From she didn't seem to care, by the way. That was the uh, the professor at Hunter who attacked a New York Post writer with a machete. She hates yeah. the cops. She hates everybody. She was smiling. She had a big grin when she got arrested. She's such a low life. She didn't even care. Yeah, and then you know what? We got to listen. I know how you feel about Trump and all that, but you got to listen to Ron DeSantis. He took issue yesterday on Memorial Day about the political ideologies in our uh, U.S. military, and that there, that that it's down. It's down. People are not joining the Marines and the Army and everything. And this is one of the recruiting things because it's going down because they don't want to listen to some crap about some blue head and picky nose ring punk telling them about diversity and all this crap in our armed service. You know what the armed service is about? It's about regimentation. It's about honor. It's about respect. And that's what the military is about. And you want to take it away from it, then you're going to have some guy with a cut-off ding-dong telling you what to do. No. You know what? That's why DeSantis is good. And when he becomes the president of the United States, he said, this will stop. That is one of the big reasons. And you know what? You know what his history is? He joined the Navy in 2004. He served to 2010. Then he went back into the reserves until 2019. He's a good man, and he should be looked at with eyes wide open. He doesn't come with baggage, but he has the same ideals as our friend Donald Trump, but it's new blood. It's uh, new blood. I don't know. He sounded, he sounded a lot like Trump to me yesterday because Donald has said many times, even with me on this show less than two yeah, weeks ago, yeah, I will yeah, stop yeah. the Russia-Ukraine war in one day. And DeSantis yesterday goes, on my first day, I'll change the military. Sounded a lot like Trump to me. Right, right, right. And I don't forget in Steve Ross's house when I talked to Donald Trump about my friend Senator McCain. This draft sergeant, Donald Trump, should not talk about military. <laughs> True. You know who should talk about military? It's DeSantis. He was in. This draft sergeant friend of yours over there was had a, a beanie cap with a propeller on there with his rich little family over there. So stop it, all right? See, let's not go there. And here, I got, I got, to, I got to tell you more about this yeah. guy, Steve Ross. Yeah. From related company, you know he's now in the running for the casino in the Hudson Yard. Yeah, really. How, you know who's going to win the casino? The one that gives Snaggletooth Hokel the most money. No. Now I was at Steve Ross's house with President Trump when I asked him about. He gave me the credit for the for the uh, uh, veterans uh, veterans where they could go to any hospital for psychological or or, or medical services, and it was called the Veterans Choice. He actually gave me credit in front of Senator Lindsey Graham. When I walked outside and I talked to him, I mentioned about McCain. That's when he told me, uh, I'm the president and I'll do what I want. You know what? Here, let me tell you about Steve Ross. After that fundraiser, mysteriously, $10 billion 
in that January before the pandemic, $10 billion went to the Hudson Yards for equity from my friends from Saudi Arabia. They sucked them in to give $10 billion. Otherwise, Ross would have been in the toilet bowl on the West Side. Now, all of a sudden, it's corruption personified. This casino will go to the person who gives Hochul the most money. And speaking of Hochul... Well, let me talk about Steve about Ross. That. I actually did speak to Stephen Ross years and years ago. For people that don't know, yeah. not only does he own Hudson Yards, but when I was down in Florida, Stephen bought the Miami Dolphins, and he hired... Bill Parcells as the club president, and he was at lunch with my former agent, Mark Lepselter, and he called me down in Miami to ask me if I thought it was a good idea to bring Bill Parcells back. We had about a 30-minute conversation. Then he came on my show a couple of times to talk top in football. He also, yeah. folks, owns Equinox and Soul Cycle, So he's got his fingers yeah. in a lot of stuff, Mr. Ross. Yeah, well, you, you, well, yeah, yeah. His, his, his wife dumped him right after that fundraiser we had for Trump. <laughs> she threw him out. But listen to me. Very, very simple. Very simple. Snaggletooth Hokel up there in Buffalo. Do you know what happened now? Now that her husband's company, Delaware North, rescinded their uh, proposal for the concessions up there because it smelled like dead fish up there. He had his consultant group in there, Delaware North, to take over all the concessions and take it from my Indian friends up there. You know, you have my Indian friends up there, the uh, Indian reservation of Seneca. All of a sudden, they dumped them out, but then she backed off because it stunk like dead fish. You know what stunk like? Who was that guy that got locked? Purple Coco? What was his name? The guy that got locked up, the governor, uh, the fool governor's friend there that went to jail. Yeah, Joe Pococo, that's Cuomo's friend, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's the same smelling like fish like that, and this is what's going on. Hey, I got a little weekend report, weekend report, update, because everyone forgets about it. We had Memorial Day weekend, God bless all our soldiers who've given their lives and who've fought in our wars. Okay, my honor is there. All I can tell you about is Memorial Day weekend. When you say happy Memorial Day, here's happy Memorial Day in Chicago. Let me give you a little update. Mm. We had in Chicago, we had nine dead and there were only 43 shot over the weekend. (laughs) And all of a sudden the progressive may is standing by. But where are the leaders? Outrage. 700 murders every year. Where is Obama? Where is the fool Harris? I think she's black or whatever she is this week. And where are they? Where's the Sharptons? Where's the phony? Well, that's the guy. See, that's the guy right there. I mean, Obama's not really serving right now, even though we know he really is pulling the uh, the strings. But here's Al Sharpton just two weeks away from eulogizing Jordan Neely and making it into a race issue because a white man killed a black man. That's the guy right there, Bo Deedle. Al Sharpton, he's never gone to Chicago once. And you've been talking about Chicago, to your credit, for 10 years. No, but more, even more, I, I saw this box back in, 19, in 2004, and you want to, it's all I talk about, but where are these leaders? Where are the people caring about these young black kids getting gunned down? It doesn't go into their scenario, you get it? And I can't understand because I picked up young black children that were shot dead. They are American human beings, and why aren't we outraged about these murders going on? Then we have these little punks running around, juvenile crime in New York City. 16 and 17-year-old. Just think about, God forbid, one of your family's members was shot by a 17-year-old, and then we're supposed to cuddle them up? Cuddle them up? No. If you could pull no. a trigger and you kill somebody, or if you beat someone up, you should go to jail. Agreed. Also. I don't care how old you are. I agree. You know what, son? Take, you know, you don't give him a friggin' lollipop and put him in jail. <laughs> right. That's all I say. Because I can't deal with this stuff anymore. Then, sticking on the Black Lives Matter, all of a sudden, $90 million 
30% of it went to anything, and they were all progressive. They gave it to their cousins and all that. They spent all this money, $12 million in housing in Toronto, Los Angeles. This is the biggest farce of all. Why aren't they being investigated by the Justice Department? What's that fool, the head, the attorney general fool? Why aren't you investigating BLM for taking that money no. from all the No, he can't. No, no, no. You're not being fair. He doesn't have time because Merrick Garland has to put Donald Trump away. Not big, large mansions, not the BLM who stole millions and millions and millions of dollars from from really nice American people who are trying to help. Merrick Garland has to put Donald Trump away because he is evil. He's destroying. Now, I'm saying this, of course, with a load of sarcasm because it's, it's, it's a fact, but it's ridiculous. But that's what Merrick Garland, Letitia James, Alvin Bragg, that's what they're worried about, Donald Trump, and not the real issues in this country. You know, you know, you know, like I said, Sid, I'm I'm an I'm an old, old old fool. I'm an old fool. You know, I'm 72. I've seen it all. I've seen the crime on the streets. I picked up the dead kids. I my last case was the Palm Sunday massacre. Ten dead, eight of them were children under the age of 12. With this violence that's out there, and when we talk about when we talk violence on the street, for some reason I keep repeating the same numbers. 21,000 murdered, majority of our young black uh, uh, black Americans that are being gunned down. Nobody's dealing with it. All we care about is a questionable police shooting. Why isn't the attorney general with the ATF, with the FBI, with all our law enforcement gathering around the biggest threat to our young black Americans are being killed in their neighborhoods. That's their biggest threat. Then you lump on your other crap coming from China with the fentanyl, another 100,000. We're being immersified, and there is not a leader here. We need a leader that is not going to be a person that people don't like when he said something. We need a leader that we all can gather together, and I call out to everyone. If we keep electing these fools in the assembly the state senate and all these leaders where are we going what is america going to look like in 10 years from now you know what's going to look like forget it okay one more thing jake lamada you there yeah we're here keep going you there of course jake lamada i used to drink with him and rocky graciano great human beings great americans and you know what 100 percent, my friend curtis is right again and all I know is, why don't you listen to AOC's recording in her office? She said the pandemic's still on. What? She's your distance. She's, she's not. She doesn't even know where she is. <laughs> she said the pandemic is still going on? Right. Use your safe, keep your safe distance, wear your mask. It's cool. She's so out of touch. She's a bartender from Starsdale. She never lived in the South Park. She's a lion. <laughs> One last thing, Bo. Are we done with the Real Housewives saga? Is that over finally? Yeah, and I just did a, I just did a video, video on, on yesterday. I did a video where I said, who knows, and I never did any background. So tell all your friends to suck it up. It never happened. <laughs> I believe right? you. you know what? And that's the end of that story. And I tell you what, if he wants to hire me, Bo, I get a retainer, and it's confidential work. And I never did any work on the Housewives. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it, Bo. Believe me, I believe you, buddy. I love you. Another great appearance. The great Bo Deedle does a tremendous job, as he did just now. 7.40 on the phones every Tuesday. Comes live in studio, 9.05 every Thursday. That was a busy but exciting 7 o'clock hour with Curtis Lee, Kevin Lace, and Bo Deedle. Got a big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way, which includes which Lowry, Gnomes, Nuggets, and Lee Zeldin. 
Big Tuesday morning with me, Sid, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. It's not 100% what everybody wants, but when you look, the country is going to be stronger. This is going to be transformational, where Congress is literally going to vote to spend less money this year than we spent last year. Radio, you know it, Lewis. You know when you get those six songs on a Saturday morning. Me and Danielle, my beautiful wife, Yacht Rock Radio. Some of them are just so gay, like oh, this one, England Dan and John Ford Coley. I don't. This one, this one actually is one of the better ones. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. You also heard from Kevin McCarthy as we speak. The House Rules Committee is preparing a debt bill for debate. So um, we'll find out how that's going. Also on Fox News right now, Kevin McCarthy is saying the FBI director has until today to turn over the Biden docs. So McCarthy has been very, very busy. The Speaker of the House trying to get this uh, debt ceiling raised as well. And, uh, you know, I want to talk to Larry in a second, but I do want to say that I kind of joked uh, about Yacht Rock Radio on Saturday and sending all those songs to Lewis, including that one. We had a lovely weekend, but we were in the hospital most of the weekend with my daughter, Ava. She was at NYU, and we were there four or five hours at a time, Danielle and I. She's been there since last Tuesday, and we finally took our little girl home. Little girl, she's 19, but took our little girl home last night. She's going to be fine. She's going to be fine, but she's not great right now. She's got some paralysis on the left side of her face, and she's miserable, and she's gone through a whole bunch of crap, infections and Really been horrible. So she's home. There's about 90 medications next to her bed. I got to run home after the show and be there for her, which, of course, uh, that's what I'm here for, right? To be a good dad. But it's been a very, very trying six days. I mean, I'm tan. I look like I went on vacation. Really wasn't all that. So uh, Danielle worked very, very hard. So did Gabriel, making it uh, easy for Ava to come home. And that's going to be basically my week is doing this show and then going home to my daughter, but Witch Lowry is usually on Mondays. Yesterday we were off, and we love Witch Lowry so much that we asked him to come on today, and he loves us so much that he said yes. He is, of course, the editor of the National Review, Political NBC, all of it, my friend Rich. Rich, good Tuesday morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, same to you. Sorry to hear about your daughter, and thank uh, you. Our, our very best to her. Thank you. She's going to be fine. It's all going to go away, but right now, like I said, some left side of her face and she's just you know she's 19 she's a gorgeous girl yeah her friends are going to the beach and she's at home but thank you for saying that which uh, you did hear me play kevin mccarthy 
you know, Chip Roy, for example, he's not happy. Kevin McCarthy is happy. He says, hey, uh, we got a lot of the stuff that we wanted. So when it's all said and done, how does this debt ceiling bill turn out? I think it probably passes, and we'll need a lot of Democrat votes to pass, and it should get Democratic votes to pass. Chip Roy, uh, there's no reason he should want to vote for this thing. He's not going to vote for this thing. McCarthy shouldn't try to make him vote for this thing. And I think it, it'll be end up being a, you know, a decent result. The problem is you got a, a Democrat in the White House and Republicans in charge of one chamber of the Congre- Congress with just a narrow majority. So you're, you're not going to be able to get massive changes with that. You need a Republican president. But uh, given all that, I think McCarthy did did a pretty good job. He had the, the conservatives in on this from the beginning. They helped forge the, the bill that the House passed that set the structure for the negotiations. The conservatives aren't happy with the ultimate result here, but I think that was kind of baked in the cake. Yeah, they had to get it done. I mean, look, we weren't going to default. I know that Donald Trump on his CNN town hall with Caitlin Collins said, hey, I default. Screw him. We don't get $5 million, $6 million, whatever we wanted. That was just a number he threw out there. Then uh, let's just default because it's never going to change. And I have news for you. Ron DeSantis on Fox News yesterday said basically the same thing. In fact, let's play it for uh, for uh, Rich here, uh, Lewis. Ron DeSantis cut number nine on Fox News saying nothing's really changed. Well, prior to this deal, Kaylee, our country was careening towards bankruptcy. And after this deal, our country will still be careening towards bankruptcy. And to say you can do $4 trillion of increases in the next year and a half, I mean, that's a massive amount of spending. Uh, I think that we've gotten ourselves on a trajectory here really since March of 2020 uh, with some of the COVID spending. It totally reset the budget, and they're sticking with that. Uh, And I think that that's just going to be totally inadequate to get us in a better spot. Look, in Florida, we run big budget surpluses. Uh, We have a $1.2 trillion economy, but our debt is only $17 billion, second lowest per capita in the country. Uh, But we make tough choices, and we make sure that we look forward to the long haul. Obviously, in Washington, D.C., they do these cycles to just get them through the next election, and that's ultimately one of the reasons why they continue to fail. So two things I took from that. One is... Yeah, these talks of McCarthy and Biden really aren't making things a heck of a lot better. And two is, as Ron DeSantis, which hits Iowa today to officially start his campaign, he just wrote out a very impressive part of his Florida resume. What about the two things that DeSantis points towards? Yeah, well, one, there's no reason for any presidential candidate to endorse this, especially if, like DeSantis, you're trying to appeal to the conservative base of the party and, and pry away pry it away or at least an element away from Trump. And, yeah, Florida is going to be his calling card on everything. I mean, he almost did everything in, in Florida. So there's there's going to be nothing that comes up besides foreign policy, basically, where he's not going to be able to point to some Florida experience or Florida, Florida success he, he's had. So I think the, the announcement was terrible. Doing it on Twitter spaces was a horrible idea. Even if it had worked without tech glitches, it would have been a, a wasted opportunity. You know, the, the guy has a beautiful wife and three, three adorable kids. You, you could have had that picture of them on every newspaper in the country, on every cable show. Um, and, he, and he didn't do that, with, which he would have, could have done with a traditional announcement. Instead, he does his Twitter spaces thing. But besides that, I think his interviews would be good. I mean, the guy is knowledgeable. Um, he's very fluid and cogent, as you heard from that clip. And I think he's been reasonably aggressive 
against Donald Trump. So does he get it done? You know, again, the odds are against it, but um, uh, I, I think he's in this thing. He sounded like Trump yesterday. I made this point to Bo Deedle. Trump keeps telling everybody, including me, on this show 10 days ago, if I win or when I win, excuse me, when I win, Ukraine-Russia will be over in one day. And DeSantis made the point yesterday on Memorial Day, if I win that woke military, because he's a serviceman, actually, thank him for his service, uh, that'll be done in one day, too. So we use the old one-day thing, day yep. one, much like Donald Trump, again coming off yeah. like Trump. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's something every Republican should pledge, right? I mean, it's just absurd what's that, that this cultural rot has seeped into our, our military, the brass in this regard. They're all political cowards. And the, the chief executive, you know, he's, he's the commander in chief. He should stop all this instantly. Now, everyone always says everything's going to happen in day one. You can do some executive orders in day one. Otherwise, they're not t- enough 24 hours, enough time in 24 hours to get done everything <laughs> that everyone says is going to happen in the first day. Uh, it, it'll be a longer effort than that, but it definitely has to happen. And China and everyone else has to be laughing their butts off at us. What do you think about our military? I've had these discussions with, I just had Kevin Lace on last hour. He served twice in Iraq. He was actually very, very close with Chris Kyle, the movie they made about him, the American Sniper starring uh, Bradley Cooper. Amazing story, an amazing movie. Amazing story, amazing movie. And and again, my friend Kevin uh, served with him on those roofs in Iraq. And he did admit that the military is too woke, but he was also quick to say, like I do, that there's no country in the world, including China, we can't be today. Now, there'll be massive casualties on both sides. We know that. But he still feels like I do that we're still the strongest army in the world. Others, including my late partner Bernard, he didn't feel that way. How do you feel? Yeah, uh, I, I think we're the most proficient. These guys, even with the cultural rot, they are the very best at, at breaking things and killing people when it comes to that. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But but you need to keep that, you know, that pointy end of the stick. You need to keep it sharp. They need, uh, you know, mater- more more and better material. And, uh, and, and you can't have them wasting their time with trainings over uh, DEI and, and uh, pronouns and all the rest of it. Um, so they're worrisome trends. But would you trade places with anyone? No. Yeah. Not, so not, uh, Iowa, no Ron DeSantis is there today. Donald Trump, I guess, will be in Iowa, too, I guess, uh, later on this week. It doesn't seem like these guys are ever going to be in the same place at the same time until maybe that first debate, which promises to be great television. I mean great television. Uh, what kind of uh, month, couple of weeks do you think Donald Trump has had? Well, uh, I mean, it's been great. I mean, the polls have continued to to go up. The question is, does Santos get does Santos get some sort of traction or bounce out of his announcement? And then, you know, it's all about the debates, and we'll see whether Trump shows up. I mean, it's a classic Trump operation, right? He's he's building drama, so he can easily not go. And I think he'll skip at least one of the first two, may, maybe both. But if he shows up. Um, if, he, if he doesn't show up, you know, he's the center of attention because he's not there. <laughs> and if he does show up, right. he's the center of attention because he's there. I mean, this is this is the, the kind of uh, uh, win-win scenario he loves to, to set up in terms of the attention. But then, you know, if they're on the stage together, DeSantis just can't show any weakness. Yeah. And just needs, needs to show he can stand up to the guy. And if, if he doesn't, you know, that first debate, the first 10 minutes of the debate, whatever it is, it's over. It doesn't matter. So it's, it's going to be huge. So I watched Joe Biden, part of his speech yesterday. I watched Lloyd Austin hand the football to Joe Biden. Biden, you know, with his aviator glasses standing there and slurring half his words and having a difficult time getting through every sentence. I mean, he's just a complete mess. He really is. 
And he's up there talking about unity again, that same word, unity. In the meantime, no one's done a better job of dividing this country Mm -hmm. in the last 12 years than him and Obama. Say what you want about Trump. We didn't have these issues. And this guy throws that word around like I say the, and it's nauseating. And I hate saying this because I don't really hate people. But I hate Joe Biden. I really don't. No, I don't. He's not just some old man who's, you know, you got to feel badly for. He's corrupt. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's everything wrong with this government and this country. You could talk all you want about Trump. I hate Joe Biden. How does Rich yeah, Lowry yeah, feel the, about Joe Biden? Yeah, there's a very good case. He represents the, the very worst of our political establishment. The the, the cliched and the, the thinking that, that runs in these old, worn ruts, the dishonesty and the corruption, right? Their family business is, is making money off of what Joe Biden has done his entire life. So it's, it's disgusting. And, and also, you know, he's increasingly decrepit. Uh, he's not going to get less decrepit. And you have super majorities who believe he's not up for it anymore. So Democrats are taking a huge risk. I understand why they think, okay, Biden's our only guy who can beat Trump. But anything could happen to this guy at any minute. I forget what they talked about, his little stumble at the G7 yeah. summit on the stairs. Yep. you know, And he righted himself so everyone could ignore it. But you're an inch away from an international embarrassment, a bloody mess, you know, a health crisis, a constitutional crisis. <laughs> and, and they're going to be – that's where they are. They're on, on that – teetering on that precipice from now until November uh, 24. And there, there's no reason it couldn't happen to him in late October, and it's, it's just done. Is Gavin Newsom still their second choice? You know, I think it's it's going to be hard for them to pass over Kamala, but they they would if it was a competitive primary. And then you got to give give Gavin a good a good shot. You know, he's good looking. Um, he's he's charming and personal. Although I've never he's met him. all those things. So who cares that he destroyed the state of California? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, he's a California progressive with with all the cultural and personal baggage that comes with that. <laughs> so it might not. Uh, it, it it would. I would think DeSantis. It would be a good race if it was DeSantis against Newsom. Say. It'd be a good race, but I think DeSantis would probably win. Trump, Trump, uh, Newsom, that, that'd be really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I got to tell you, no matter what, the next uh, 16 months, you got to be right here with Rich Lowry, Sid Rosenberg, and WABC, because we could talk all you want about the Yankees and the Rays and the Heat and the Nuggets and the Panthers and the Knights. This is the real sport yeah. right here the next Here's 16 yourself. months, right? What a story the Heat are, though. I cool. know. I mean, if you're Boston, you win three straight just to force a game seven yeah. at home and lose by 20? Yeah, get just blown out. <laughs> I mean, and uh, what the, the Heat, they lost their play-in game, and we're losing in the fourth quarter of their yeah, second play-in yeah. game. It's I amazing. Mean, but right now, if you're Ron DeSantis, you have a team in both finals. You've got the Florida Panthers, yeah, owned by my buddy Vinny Viola, playing in the Stanley Cup finals, yep. and the Heat, and they're about 45 minutes apart, mind you. And, and both the incredible stories and, and major upsets are there. Yes. As you are, by the way, an incredible there stories. You go. I love you. Thank you for coming <laughs> major on. Major upset. I managed to get on this radio show. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're great. Thank you, Rich. Thank you right, so cool. much. Thanks, Ed. You All got it. The editor of the National Review usually joins me on a Monday, but, of course, we were off yesterday. So, Rich Lowry, really always great, kind enough to join me today. We'll get to Noam's Nuggets. And Lee Zeldin, he's not happy either. Joe Biden trying to fight anti-Semitism, and it's going to be difficult for the president to fight that. The numbers are through the roof when he can't even say it. You'll hear what I'm talking about coming up. The Tuesday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, sitting friends in the morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77. ABC. I'm not talking about moving in, and I don't want to change your life.
comes on at 9 o'clock, Justin, I want you to talk to him. You know, I was talking about the uh, Sid Rosenberg tree. Not very impressive. Like, Imus, that's a tree. How many folks start on Imus and ended up having huge careers in the NFL? Bill Walsh or Bill Parcells. Mine is pretty good. As I said before, Chris Oliveira is my intern. He now runs for years. All the Odyssey, CBS, big-time stations, 10-10 wins, FAN, that's all, Chris. Joy Taylor, who for many years sat alongside Colin Coward. Now she's got her own show on Fox Sports 1. She was an intern of mine. You've got um, a Victor I just mentioned. Victor, a Friday was the Sports Emmys. And Victor won his fourth, I believe, Emmy Award at Telemundo. And uh, unlike most of you bastards... He sent me a text, and he said, you know, we haven't worked together since, I think, 2012 or 13, when I was fired by WQAM, about a decade. And he said, I attribute most of my success to you. This is a decade later. You taught me to be me. You put me on the air when nobody else would, like you guys. No one would put you on. Oh, I never put Lou on the air. You forget about it, Justin. And then it turns out. Now, we know about Lou already, but you've got a lot of talent. I've done it with a million guys. Steve Zemak, Eric Lengel, Andy King, Luke Lograno ends up at ESPN. So when Victor comes out at 9.05, he's going to say things, much like Zemak, they're going to sound eerily reminiscent to what you get. So feel free to jump in, okay? Okay. All right, sure. I've never heard any of those guys, by the way. That's right. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard any of those guys except Luke because yeah. I work with him. Right. You never heard of Joy Taylor? No. Oh, Joy oh, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, Colin Coward sidekick. I didn't hear you say Yeah, Joy she actually Taylor. sat in between no, I know who Skip Bayless is. and Shannon Shaw. Yes. Now, Victor, God he's, bless her. Right, he's on Telemundo, so you wouldn't know who he is, right. but he's won four Emmy Awards. 
Because of me. I've heard of Victor. Chris Oliveira. You never heard of Chris Oliveira? Oh, yes, I, you did. So you've heard of all these guys. No, no, no. You mentioned a few other names. No, that right? was it. That was it. Yeah. Okay. You've got to get off the drugs. What's his name, too, is um, well, oh. also on uh, the ESPN, the Spanish one. Oh, Jorge Sedano. Yeah. He was my intern. Exactly. There you go. He's a huge star. Mm-hmm. Did the heat for years. He, he is the, the Latino voice of ESPN. Yeah, he's big. He's, deb- he's debatably up there, maybe. Maybe bigger than all of them. You're right. right. Bigger than all. That was my intern. He's the guy. It's a great story. When Danielle was pregnant with Gabriel, and uh, I ran to the bank, Amtrust Bank in Hollywood, not far from where people were shot yesterday, nine of them on the beach. And my phone died. And I was doing mornings back then. This is 2008. And Sedano did the midday show after me. And I got in my car. My phone's dead. I know Danielle's about to give birth. And he's screaming on the radio, hey, Sid, if you're listening, Danielle's in labor. And I'm like, oh, my. My phone was dead. That's how you found out. That's how I found out she was giving birth to Gabriel, Jorge Sedano. And now he's a major star. So my tree's actually pretty good, no? That that makes sense, knowing you. I know. (laughs) Danielle, I heard you were pregnant on the radio. Where where are you? I knew she was pregnant, but I had no idea she was about to deliver our only son in a couple of hours. (laughs) Anyway, we'll talk to Lee Zeldin, then Victor Bermudez. And one of these cops is coming on. I guess uh, Sarah Palin said on this Cop Talk podcast that she'd like to be Trump's VP. Great. I mean, I talk to Sarah all the time, but it really only becomes a story if Trump says I want her. It's great that she wants to be his VP. So do I. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say. I'd love, hey, yeah. I'm here too, Donald. Yeah. yeah. But we'll talk to uh, Kevin coming up later on. It is uh, 833. Uh, we're going to my friend Jonathan Siegel listening right now. Hey, uh, Noam, how are you this morning? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? How was your Memorial Day weekend? It was very nice. Thank what you. did you do to pay homage to our brave men and women? Uh, nothing. You no, did nothing. You're right. Yeah. You could have, like, at least watched Platoon or... or um, I didn't do any of that. Nothing. <laughs> watch, no. Yeah, watch Platoon or... What's the one with Maximilian Schell, the best one of all? The uh, Come on, the 70s movie. That's the best one. The best war movie. Come on, Maximilian Schell and... Um, the Guns of Navarone. Not the Guns of Navarone. Come on. Apocalypse Now. Oh, that's a great movie. Well, I mean, didn't watch it this weekend. I was, I was busy. <laughs> what does that do, though? I don't know. It says something. I don't know. <laughs> At least it shows something. Did you show observance? Yes. <laughs> you, have a, you have a flag outside that jersey? I could, I could stand in silence watching the movie. Oh, I guess. Do you have a flag outside that jersey? You don't have no, a flag either. No. I mean, Do you have a flag outside your place? I don't live in my own place now. When I go back to uh, Rockaway, yes, I've got a flag. I'm a proud American. So you do well, nothing. I'm a proud American. I just don't have a flag outside of my No house. flag. You don't watch Platoon on Memorial Day. <laughs> did you go to a parade with your kids yesterday? I did not, no. So what did you do? I was, uh, you know, with family, and we had a wedding this weekend. That was nice, the whole family together. Yeah. Did you invite any veterans to the, to the uh, wedding? Well, actually, well, I do have a story if you want to hear this. Not really. Okay. Never mind then. No, let me hear it. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, my nephew got married. And the rings that they used, oh, here's a good story that fits your narrative perfectly, right? right. My nephew got married this weekend, and the rings they used was one of his grandfather who fought in World War II Mm -hmm. and one of his grandmother. And his grandmother, how they met was she was uh, writing letters to military members, random military members, to wish them well in Europe. And uh, the grandfather, his grandfather saw this letter and was really taken by the letter. And so when he came home from World War II, he searched for this woman, found her, and they got married. That is a nice story. And that's the rings they used to get married uh, on Sunday. That's actually a great story. Yeah, I just made it up. Oh. 
No, no, it's true. Story. <laughs> <laughs> it's true story. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Sid didn't listen to you anyway. No, no. I was reading about the heat I'm like, is Jokic the best stuff? <laughs> anyway, uh, what's uh, what do you got today for no uh, I got to, are you a sleep talker? Am I a sleep? No, I'm not, but Danielle is. So yeah. there's an interesting new study about sleep talkers that has oh. come out. And um, Adam Rosenberg is a sleep talker. He's a filmmaker and editor, so he said No relation. To you, not that I know right. of, no. He set up a camera and a microphone in his room because people had always complained that how he talked. And sure enough, he got lots of footage of him talking while he's sleeping. Once what? That's not real. Yeah, no, there's more. Oh, my gosh. Guys, I'm falling Get some of the uh, so you get the idea. So what is he saying there? Yeah, sometimes sounds like crackhead Bob. Yeah. lucky us. Because you act like a monkey. He's saying something like you act like a monkey. I mean, you got to be like if you're a sleep talker and, I don't know, let's say you're having an affair and you mention somebody else's name. Right. That would be a big issue, no? Well, up till now, sleep talking was considered to be generally harmless but this new so there was a song and they said i hear the secrets that you that's keep. right while you're you, talking in I your sleep that. i hear who sang that the Lewis? romantics romantics yes romantics very good yep. that's an old song no laid for 50 there yeah. we go yeah. Yeah. so uh sleep talking till now had been considered harmless but this new study says the majority of people who they spoke with who were sleep talkers who took part in this study had some sort of mental health condition and uh, they say what's happening is that mental health condition is triggered in your sleep, and that what's what leads to sleep talking. And so a lot of these people who are sleep talkers had really high levels of anxiety, um, maybe were alcoholics, uh, had sleep disorders from mental health conditions that had not been I got to say, it's amazing I don't have this because I'm all three of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other part of this study looked at foreign accent syndrome. Have you heard of this? Foreign accent syndrome. So this is where people have some sort of episode in their life and they wake up with an accent they did oh, not have. On. This <laughs> is a real thing. I'm begging you to stop. No, it's it, it always happens. So maybe. a guy from Brooklyn yeah. was a thick Brooklyn accent. Right. Wakes up and starts speaking like language. Lewis. You got it. So in this case, this woman, <laughs> her name is Lisa Awamia. She's from Texas. We spoke with her. She underwent jaw surgery. So she was only under the knife for a couple hours. But when she came out, she went from a southern Texas accent to this accent. People who don't know me, hey, where are you from? Okay. I'm from Rosenberg. Oh, where's that? I'm like, we're here in Rosenberg. Oh, you're from here. How'd you talk like that? So that's when the whole story comes up so people thought she was putting it on she went to of a psychiatrist she, she says no they no. said she cannot get she had a strong texas accent a, right. a twang yeah. but now she talks uh the british <laughs> english i didn't know the reaction i was going to get from people so i didn't know are they going to judge me uh, are they going to think i'm lying are they going to even understand how i'm speaking my daughter laughs at the way i say tamale so i used to have to say it like a real hispanic girl now i cannot yeah so they're studying this but they have no idea what has happened i got to tell it's you real. Uh, megan markle should get this and then maybe the royal family would like her yeah, right she woke possible. up talking like that one morning they'd be like hey you're one of us no. i doubt it but well, there's, uh, there's something for everybody these days. No, everybody's got something, right? This is true. Yeah. In the case of Lisa Alamia, she went from southern <laughs> Texas draw 
to English accent. Well done. Another excellent report by Noam Layton. He continues to bring you the most important stories in the country today, like that one. <laughs> wait till you hear it tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. When we get back, my next guest ran for governor. He came in second place. He did a tremendous job. I call him the pride of Shirley Long Island, and he's really pissed, like we all are. At Joe Biden, this over the anti-Semitism plan. We'll talk to my dear friend, the great Lee Zeldin, coming up. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Silence is complicity. It cannot remain silent. I will not remain silent. You should not either. That's why today I'm releasing the first ever national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. It's what? the most ambitious and comprehensive U.S. government-led effort to fight anti-Semitism huh? in American history. And it directs the whole of society, a whole of society effort in four key ways. First, increasing awareness and understanding of both anti-Semitism and Jewish-American heritage. Second, improving safety and security for Jewish communities. Third, reversing the normalization of anti-Semitism and countering anti-Semitic discrimination. And fourth, building cross-community solidarity and collective action to fight hate. This strategy includes over 100 bold and unprecedented actions that government agencies are going to take to counter anti-Semitism. Judge Janine right now on Fox and Friends promoting her book. Lee Zeldin is one of my favorite people in New York, great congressman, the pride of Shirley Long Island, I call him, ran a great race, I should say, almost won it, governor of New York. But again, the numbers were just so stacked against him, maybe two and a half to one in New York, that as great as his campaign was and as lousy as Hochul's campaign was, he uh, put on a valiant fight and uh, still lost. We'd be in much better shape if he had won. And he was angry. You know, there's Biden. How could he possibly? He's such an effing moron. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear about old man cognitive issues. He's a moron. How could he possibly fix anti-Semitism if he can't say it? He tried to say it four times in 57 seconds and said it incorrectly all four times. Anyway, here he is, my dear friend Lee Zeldin. I mean, me personally, how do I have confidence in a guy who can't even say it, Lee? It's a basic initial question. What is anti-Semitism? And this was a debate. This is how far left the Democratic Party has gone on this issue, that they end up concluding that they can't even agree on a definition. And what so many others have 
realized over the course of years is that you, know, you really need to have everyone on the same page as to what what it is that you're combating. And it, this applies to other stuff, but specifically as it relates to anti-Semitism. All throughout the United States and really around the world, th- there's the definition from uh, an organization called IHRA. And th- back in like 2016, 2015, they came up with a definition that everyone has been rallying behind saying, you know, that's, that, that's a definition that everyone should be adopting. So this was something that was being discussed at the White House when they're trying to come up with the strategy to combat anti-Semitism. People are saying, why don't we adopt the IHRA definition? And at the end of the day, they could only reference it while also uh, you know, suggesting that there's other definitions as well. They were going to – there was support there for adopting this other definition that was, that's being promoted by the far left – like, how can you actually combat it that way? And then you, then, then during the weekend, your strategy is already being put to the test. A new video comes out, City University of New York, the School of Law, commencement address from a couple weeks back. A speaker who is a raging anti-Semite give it, gives a speech that makes it very uncomfortable and unwelcome for any Jewish uh Professor, graduate, family member, friend in the audience. I tell you this, forget I, about that. I'm not any one of those. I'm a complete stranger. Don't have any, any connection to that school. And I am so pissed off this morning that my taxpayer money, $4.3 billion goes to CUNY. So whether you like Eric Adams or not, so these snot-nosed kids can turn their backs on the mayor, and then this lowlife goes up on stage and just savages Israel on the Jews while also saying bad things about the cops and the military. I don't want to pay taxes, Lee, if this is what's going to happen at these CUNY universities. I don't want to do it. Anyone out there who hasn't watched this video yet should should go check it out. It's now all over the media. I post it on, on my social media pages as well. And everyone just needs to listen to it for yourself. No, our tax dollars should not be going to support a city university of New York until the administration is overhauled and Jewish students and Jewish faculty feel welcome again. And as you point out, you don't even have to be Jewish to be outraged by it. You're outraged by it as well. And if you're getting silence from Joe Biden in response, if you're getting silence from Kathy Hochul in response, don't be lecturing us on any other day of the week when it's easy, when it's comfortable. This is what tests leadership. This is what shows that you actually have even an ounce of courage. And I would say that speaking out against stuff like this shouldn't even require an ounce of courage. It's just the right thing. But, no, it's just crickets. And i got to tell you, here in New York City, it's, it's a big problem. You know that. And I'm going to lay it on the line because I tell the truth on this show. I don't sugarcoat it. Ninety-plus percent of attacks on Jews are blacks. Okay, they're they're the ones who attack the Asians. They're the ones who attack the Jews. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of defending black people while Jewish people are getting their ass kicked in the streets. Now, Eric Adams knows this, and he's had some press conferences, even went to Greece one time to try to figure it out. Same thing with Hochul, Letitia James, all these people. But the truth is, I speak to Dove Heikend all the time, Lee, the numbers are not going down. So I'm not sure they're not paying enough attention they're not doing enough, but the numbers are not going down in the one place, Lee Zeldin, the one place you would think you'd be safe if you were a Jew, New York. Yeah, people who have to take their yarmulke off in order to ride a subway because they're fear they're fearing uh, getting uh, assaulted. 
and you have these pro-criminal laws that you and I have spoken about a lot on air, which are still on the books. You have a, a eroding support of law enforcement, which still remains an issue. Last year, NYPD had their their biggest year of retirements and resignations, and they had in a very, very, very long time. You had a tax on yeshiva education from government itself, and you saw it above the fold, New York Times, page one, the weekend of September 11th last year. That That has been an issue as well. And then we've also gotten to the point to – uh, where you have elected officials who won't even speak out when there is not just an anti-Semitic attack with with words or tropes. You're talking about people who get assaulted, and you have elected officials in New York City representing these areas that won't even speak up and say anything. And expectations have gotten so bad, so low, that if some city councilman finally posts a tweet Acknowledging that this ED even happened, that person's like, oh, getting credit. Oh, thank, thank God, you're finally speaking yep. up. Yep. That's how that's how bad expectations <laughs> have gotten for these elected officials. So bad. And uh, my friend uh, Kevin Breslin, you remember Lee, his father, the great writer Jimmy Breslin. So uh, Kevin is uh, is a Democrat, but he loves me, he loves his show because we're common sense people. And he sent me something from the New York Times that reads, despite Hochul's vow. Her policies have indirectly aided husband's firm. And it reads, he wanted me to read this. He's a disgrace, uh, disgraceful article. And it reads, we are only as good as our weakest link. Albany is a swamp. New York City pays for upstate bull blank artists. So we know now, of course, that her husband, who was pretty much milk and cash, I guess, off these concession stands up at the Buffalo Bill Stadium, maybe they're going to stop that now. I don't know. But even Adams has complained that Hochul expects New York City, which is basically broke, to foot the bill for the whole state. What is she doing up there? Well, this is the reason why I was running against her as passionately as I was, and so many New Yorkers of all walks of life, including independents and Democrats, were voting for us. New York is 22% Republican, and we got just under 50% of the vote. And what we saw just before the election, especially as it relates to crime and the economy, New Yorkers hitting their breaking point, deciding to flee, realizing that the state's heading in the wrong direction. And Kathy Hochul still, and you and I have spoken about this on air a bunch in the past, she still will not acknowledge why it is that New Yorkers hitting their breaking point and are fleeing. This past weekend, uh, I was down in Nashville over the weekend. I had my wife and my kids with me, great patriotic city. While we're seeing this video coming out of the City University of New York, where your tax dollars are going and this hate f- filling up this auditorium on what's supposed to be a special day, you know, I- I'm down there reflecting on it while I'm at, this one bar in this people country, uh, they're line dancing and they're playing their country oh, music. Such a great And city. it was just flags. Yeah. It was yep. patriotism. It was support of our military, of our law enforcement. It was just, it was so positive yep. about America. And you have these blue cities and these blue states where these elected officials won't speak up when you have folks who are trying to erode the education system, indoctrinate uh, and groom kids and, and changing values and and are okay with it because it's a means to an end of more power. Uh, and 
you know, there, there's a reason why New Yorkers are saying, you know what, I'm heading down to the Tennessee or yep. heading down to the Carolinas or Florida and Texas, and Kathy Hochul's part of the problem. She is the major uh, reason. Her, and I guess Eric Adams to a certain extent, too, he does try at times, and like yesterday, did a very, very good speech, but the issue with Eric is not what he says, according to most people in New York, it's what he does. And he has not been able to do much, some of it his fault, some of it goes right back to Kathy Hochul, up in Albany, and I'd be remiss, Lee Zeldin, talking about Memorial Day, if I didn't thank you for your service. You are a hero. You serve this country proudly. Thank you. And I had a guy on earlier. His name is Kevin Lace. And uh, Kevin served two tours in Iraq, Lee, and became very, very close friends with a guy named Chris Kyle. You remember the oh, movie yeah, American Sniper? Yeah, right. Well, nope. I, you know, I know of uh, Ty, uh, Taya Kyle, his widow, has been uh, in the story. Everyone knows the story. But uh, they've really lived on, and the legacies lived on, in, uh, in helping other vets with PTSD. Yeah. An amazing story. Amazing story. Chris made it through two tours in Iraq next to Kevin Lace, came home, and some crazy guy in America actually killed him in his home state, I believe, of Texas. But long story short, the discussion centered on what Ron DeSantis said yesterday. And DeSantis said, listen, if I win or when I win, day one, I'm going to fix this military. I served. Trump didn't. I served, and this military is way too woke. So as a guy, Lee, that served our country proudly, do you agree with DeSantis, or is that a bit of hyperbole? Oh, it's true that uh, that the military uh, needs to be focused on, on winning, on accomplishing its mission, doing your job to be able to keep America safe. And I, I remember it was like December of 2016. This was in the uh, the transition between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. And, and we were at West Point. We spent like an entire day on transgender training. We weren't learning about how, you know, if deployed today, this is how we could do a better job to, you know, to, to, to do complete our mission and keep America safe and protect freedom and liberty. It was transgender training and just vignettes for hours. And then it stopped instantly. You know, talking about January of 2017 for four years, uh, all of that crap was just done. And and now slowly since January of 2021, it's starting to come back again. And I don't want the military to be a science experiment. Uh, I don't want to be treating our soldiers as guinea pigs. Uh, I, I, this is not something that uh, should be. I mean, for one, it's going to it's going to impact uh, the ability to retain to recruit. I don't want this impacting morale. Uh, the way that it could, uh, it, this can't continue to get further left than it is. It shouldn't be politicized any more than it's been. Uh, so, yeah, this is a live issue that should be discussed in this presidential campaign, and it's something that should be put back in the right direction uh, come January of 2025. Absolutely, and and, and you know, to that point, by the way, I've, I would say I know of uh, Chris Kyle. You know, we all know the story. Have met uh, Taya Kyle. Uh, and and there are a lot of amazing people who, who have. I mean, Memorial Day is a somber day yesterday, uh, but to all of those Gold Star families out there who have turned tragedy uh, into something positive uh, to to make the legacy of their fallen loved one uh, live on in, you know, in a way that continues to do good. God bless all of those Gold Star families out there, and I know you have many of them who listen to your show. Thank you for everything that you've been through. I know you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear the thank you, but uh, I will say, as for one person, I'm incredibly grateful for the sacrifice that's been made by generations to give us this opportunity to live in the greatest country in the history of the world, which we would not be able to do if not for these men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice. 
You know, I got chills just now, and as you were saying that, and again, you served, as you were saying that, I said, man, we missed a golden opportunity, New York, these morons, when they voted in Hochul, but you're still a young guy. You've already had great success in D.C. on Long Island. Please tell me, Lee Zeldin, without getting specific, please tell me in the not-so-distant future you will serve our country again because i got to tell you, man, we need you. Well, listen, tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of when I took the oath to serve in the United States military. Uh, that, that service wow. continues. I enjoy wearing that uniform uh, more than wearing the suit that, uh, that, that I wear in <laughs> you know, politics or, or whatever. But uh, I, I will continue to find ways to, to serve. To, I believe that success in life, uh, most importantly, should be defined on leaving this world better than you found it. We might all disagree on exactly how to get there and improving the world around us, but uh, we all should be striving to, to do our part. For me, I, I believe that at some point there may be a re-entry into, into government and politics in other ways. Uh, in the meantime, i got to tell you what, my daughters in, in two weeks are finishing 11th grade. Wow. And uh, it, it has been a blessing to be able to spend time with them that I haven't yeah. been able to spend in a while. I started a, a charity and a federal pack and a company and still doing the speeches and the, and the media and more. So we're staying active. Uh, but, you know, as far as what's next, we'll see. Uh, but I, I still have that in my, in my belly. I still have it in my heart to be able to serve. I don't know if that, I don't think that'll ever go away. I got to tell you, your family is so beautiful. Your wife, Dee, your two daughters, your twin daughters. And, you know, I saw you at the nickname not that long ago, but you're just, you're just everything Americans should be. You really are. And I love you. Thank you again for serving this country. That's very nice, Sid. Uh, You know, I mean it too, Lee. So thank you for hopping on today and please keep coming back. And thank you for everything. You're the best. Yes, sir. Thank you. You're the man. Lee Zeldin, folks. He even says, yes, sir, on the way out. He is. If he was here, I'd kiss him. He's so cute. Kind of like you, Lewis, except he served and you went to the bar. Uh, no, I was drinking. Yeah. Well, that's important, too. It keeps the, uh, the economy going. Liquor business right. What would blondies this? on the Upper West Side do if you weren't drinking there, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask. We got the news on Victor Bermudez coming up next. Fourth and final hour. Keep it right here. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Justin, last night around dinner time, my buddy John wanted to hear the Trump interview. He's done a lot of politics today, a lot, folks, as we always do, news, sports, all of it. Fourth and final hour starts now. So I asked Justin for the Trump interview to send to my friend. It was about uh, 7.30 last night. We had just finished dinner, me, Danielle, Ava, finally home from the hospital, and Gabriel at P.J. Clark's down by the water. 
And then I sent just another text, and I said, you know, I'm really proud of you. I've uh, had a lot of producers over the years. A lot of you think my first job was with Bernie. Not even close. I hosted big-time shows solo in South Florida for a long time. Big-time shows at three different stations. And I had huge, I had, I had huge, I never had co-hosts. I had one, O.J. McDuffie, who's a disaster. But I said to Justin, I said, you, um, I'm really proud of you. I did say that, right, Justin? You did say that, yes. Although it did seem like I was a little bit confused the way you worded it. It seemed like you were uh, copy and pasting a message from somebody else and then sending it to me. Interesting. But uh, I think you just left out one you. Yeah, no, it was actually just from me to you. Yeah, which I really appreciate. Well, I'm proud of you. I am. And it's not easy producing for me. No, it's not. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. The show ends, and one minute later, I'm like, who's on tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And if you only have one guest or two guests during a four-hour show, I'm going to break your balls, and I don't care. But I know how much worse it could be in this uh, in this industry especially. Well, you do know that. So and I you've do, been working. Yeah. Uh, this is not your first job. No. You've done other shows. Yes. But you'll be the first to admit that this is the best show you've been on. This is by far the best show, and this is the most fun I've had doing my job. Well, thank you. Lou Ruffino, who worked with Imus, doesn't get bigger than that, except for maybe Stern, maybe Rush. He says the same thing. I mean, I won't put words in your mouth, but you have said that, Lewis. You love this show. Having fun, you think it's a great show. It's the best time I've had, I probably, since the most early days of FAN. Right, the early, early days. Because you're sitting next to me, Lewis, Right. Nothing to do with that. I don't oh, care. Okay. No. Sorry. I'll, I'll make a list, no. and you, I'll tease both. Of you. <laughs> yeah. okay. But the point is uh, that I did send that text to Justin, and then it reminded me of a conversation I had on Friday with a guy that was in the same chair you were at. It was in South Florida, of course, not exact chair. But he was my producer at WQAM. He was a young kid from Hialeah. Not a lot of experience, very little. And in fact, the station didn't want me to put him on the air. I've had that with all you guys, all you guys. And it turned out he was like my co-host, like you guys are. And you guys are great. Every bit as good as anybody I've ever had. Great. And this guy, Victor, was terrific. He really was. And he worked his ass off for me. And I got fired. And I left Florida. And I check up. And every year at the Sports Emmys, this kid's winning Emmy Awards. Now, he moved to Telemundo, which is a big deal. But I think he's won three or four Emmys, and he won one again this year. So I look on Facebook on Friday, and there he is holding up his newest Emmy. And it reminded me of the tree I talked about earlier, from Joy Taylor to Chris Olivero to Amber Wilson to George Sedano to Victor Bermudez, all you guys. So here he is, another Emmy on his shelf on Friday, my former producer, at WQIM in Miami. So proud of him, the great Victor Bermudez. Victor, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? Uh, and be- before we go on, um, how's Ava? I heard you mention she just got out of the hospital. Everything okay? I mean, we could take this off off air on Texas. It's no, she's person. not. You know, she's uh, she, had, she had some issues. She had uh, a couple of uh, infections, and it's all temporary, okay. thank God. Right now, as we speak, the left side of her face is paralyzed, but it's temporary. She'll be all right in a couple of weeks, but... You know, Vic, she's 19. Her friends are on the beach. Ava's gorgeous, you know. And uh, right now, she can barely drink out of the left side of her mouth. So it's it's sad. We have a lot of medication at home. I got to run home after the show and take you. She's going to be okay. She'll be fine in two weeks, three weeks, hopefully, maybe a month. I don't know, two months. You won't even know. But it's been a difficult couple of weeks, I can tell you that. So thank you for asking because yeah. she was a baby when uh, you and I worked together. She was. Yeah, she was. She was. And Gabriel, uh, too. Gabriel was, like, I, I, just I, I, born, right? 
Gabriel was just born. Gabriel was just born. Yeah, we, we went through that whole ordeal together because I remember um, Elizabeth was born when I was on doing middays. My, my daughter was born when I was doing middays with, with you on, on WQAM. But um, I, I heard everything you mentioned, and, and it's not just the funnest show. Uh, I had tons of fun working on, on the Sid Rosenberg show during, during my time with, with you in Miami. Um, I will add to that and say it's life-changing. Working on the Sid Rosenberg, and I, I can say that wholeheartedly, uh, no, no excuses or, or I'm not making this up. I'm not saying this because I'm your show. It, it changed my life professionally because I came into the business trying to be something I was not, trying to portray something. Um, someone who's up there in New York, I interned for Adam Cooperstein, who's on NBC up yeah, in New York. Yeah. Uh, I interned for him. I interned for Joe Rose on, on NBC as well. And I was trying to portray something that I was just not, I was not good at that professional journalist. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, as you said, I'm from Hialeah. It's a bro <laughs> guy and I right. curse words and, and it's who I am. And you were the first one to point out, and I'll never forget the conversation. You looked at me and said, what are you doing? Who are you? Who are you trying to be? Um, and that immediately just clicked and changed. Oh. And I started being myself. I started just portraying who I really am. And I thought that was what won over the audience locally and, and what just changed my career. I said, if I'm going to try to succeed in this, I'm going to do it my way. Um, and ironically enough, you would end every show with Frank Sinatra my way. Right. And it just changed. It changed the game. It yeah. changed the game. And I said, okay, so let's go. Let's try this route because I wasn't having any success the other way. And it was partnering up with you and, and you bringing me on and, and allow, letting me know it's okay to be you. Well, that's true, and especially you, because you're a great kid and a talented kid. I've I've said this to Mark Malusis at WFAN. His wife once called me. He would kill her if he knew about it. She called me off the air, and she said, why isn't Mark having more success? And I said, because he's trying to be Francesa. Just be Mark. I've told Alec every once in a while he does these updates. He puts on this voice. Stop putting that voice on. Stop it. Don't do a radio voice. Just talk like you talk. And at least for me... I have come to find over the years that when I've told people to be themselves, even Joy Taylor, you know, she had undue amount of pressure. Her brother, Jason, Hall of Famer, Miami Dolphins, she wanted to be, you know, overnight she wanted to be, you know, the next uh, Barbara Walters. And I just said, take it easy. Slow down. Be yourself. And you especially because you are a South Florida kid, Hialeah kid. The audience loved you. Now, you don't have to punch me across the face and give me a black eye at the Super Bowl. That's a whole other story. Why did you do that? <laughs> you, you, punched, you punched me first. <laughs> you, know, you, you love to tell the story. There's always three sides to a story. There's yours, there's mine, and then this one really No, happened. that was my fault. I, yeah, loved- yeah, it was my fault. I admit yeah. it. Yeah, we were all drunk, and um, I forgot what the fight was about, but Dalpin linebacker Channing Crowder was in the car, too, and he kind of egged the whole thing on. So how many Emmy Awards have you won now exactly? I just won my fourth uh, this past wow. year. Wow! Lucky enough to, to, to win four our, Emmy our Awards, and, and now what was this for for Telemundo? This was for the the most recent World Cup we did. Um, I was also nominated for Sunday Night Football. I produced that in Spanish on on Telemundo and NBC Universal. So it's uh, anytime you become your own competition, it's uh, pretty much a guaranteed trophy. And we were going up against each other. Obviously, we were going up uh, against a few other shows, but um, the World Cup ended up taking it, and rightfully so. They, it, it was a great broadcast from, I mean, from from start to finish. It was, yeah, yeah, it was pretty historic. So you've won, and you're always a great boxing guy too, because I'm one of the few guys left. I had Teddy Atlas on just a couple of days ago, Vic. You'd appreciated that, and I'm still holding on to yeah. boxing. Everybody's moved on to Dana White, UFC, MMA. That's fine. Good stuff, terrific. I'm still a boxing guy, and we went to Vegas a couple of times, and, and you were great. With the boxing stuff, have you won an Emmy for that too? 
I have that. I've won Tele Awards for boxing. It's, a, it's like a step below Emmy. Um, I've, I've won quite a few things for, for boxing. I've done some historic ratings as far as uh, what we've done with our boxing coverage right. and just blown up social media, but uh, not as far as that means. We just don't have the, the programming for gotcha. to win something for, for boxing. No, for 60 seconds to go here. And again, I'm so proud of you. I loved working with you. You were loyal. You were great on the air. You worked your ass off for me off the air. If I, if I got in a car accident on a Saturday morning, Victor, I'd call you. You'd be there. I want you to hop on here with my current producer, Justin Ellick, who gets a lot of the text now, Victor, that you got 10 years ago. <laughs> Swear to God. Yeah. So, Justin, yeah. what uh, you want to ask Victor one thing or say something to him? Because maybe you've got four Emmys, Justin, in your future. Who knows? Well, maybe. Well, listen, if, if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm so lucky, Vic, what's going on, man? It's uh, it's Justin. I'm uh, I'm a, I guess I'm the future. <laughs> I guess I'm the future you from uh, from uh, like uh, 15 years ago. And what are these texts that you get from me occasionally that uh, Victor may or may not recognize? Uh, he'll definitely recognize them. I would say 10:30, 10:45 after every day. Really, the worst the worst ones for me are Friday mornings when the show wraps up, and he's asking me at 10:30, 10:45, who's on on. Monday? Monday morning, <laughs> and I yeah, yeah, and now I have to yeah. sweat on my Friday afternoon over like because I like to get these things out of the way. I don't like to be spending my Sunday nights like trying to book guests for Monday morning, especially because people don't like to be bothered on their Sundays. So now I got to spend all the afternoon on Friday figuring out Monday's show, which actually turns out to be a blessing in disguise because then I'm all set and I'm ready to go. Right, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean that yeah. that's got that's got to be the the worst possible. Especially, who's on tomorrow? Especially after like 45 minutes earlier, I already told them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's the frustrating thing. You could tell him ten times, and he'll ask you a twelve, a twelve more times. Right. But I, I will say this: it uh, it prepares you because it, it's at the moment it's annoying. I get it. I receive the text messages, and it's and nothing's ever good enough. Right. Uh, he's proud of you, and he'll 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 congratulate you and and thank you, and, and you're the great, and you're the best, and and but it's never good enough. There's not a a guest list that is. <laughs> Yeah, can compare or it will ever be worthy. It's just what's next, what's next. And that's real life. That's that's the business we're in. It's um one any was great. Okay, now now I gotta get two. Okay, now I have three. Well, what if I get four and right. I got four? Right. Well let's just fill up a hand. Mm-hmm. And and that's life and, that, and that's the business we're in. So um at the time it's annoying. I, I'm well aware of that. Um I can attest to it. Um annoying to the point that you may want to punch him in the face. Right. Which yeah, you yeah, did, yeah, which yeah. which you uh, did. Yeah. Which I did. So that, that always helps with the frustration, the, right. the, the fact that I was able to do that. Right. I don't I don't I don't I, I, I don't think I'd come out of that one a lot. <laughs> No, that was – but listen, he's got – it was uh, in Indianapolis. It was the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl, oh, yeah. and, and I walked in the next day, and Francesca goes, what happened to you? <laughs> but uh, I, I, I ruined your I ruined your NFL Network um, um, top ten appearance. You did. You did. Was, NFL Network, that's no right. Makeup. We came in ready to go. Like I said, there's no makeup we can put on you. There's, yeah, couldn't do it. Happen. I couldn't do the show. Yeah. Yeah. The best part was uh, getting home that Sunday, and Danielle said, because I didn't tell you anything, what happened to you? <laughs> and I told her, Victor Bermudez punched me in the face. My own producer, she goes, okay, yeah, right. What really happened? No, really, Victor punched me across the face. Uh, listen, we, uh, I'm so proud of you. I really am, and, and I'm not surprised. Likewise, I'm sure there'll be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten before it's all said and done. Uh, your wife, your kids are great. You're, you're a terrific guy, great family man, and I'm proud of you. So uh, I look at the guys that worked around me. When they have success, I feel like I have success. So continue to sec- uh, success, Victor Bermudez. You are a uh, a legend, and I love you. Thank you so much. 
It, it means the world to hear that from you, Sid. And, and I don't know what, what it means coming from me, but I am extremely proud of you and, and the way that you always um, defy the odds and, and continue to rise. When, when people think it, it's done, um, you count on Sid. Sid will continue to get up from a knockdown. Oh. Um, and I admire you for that. I, I appreciate everything you've done for me personally, for my, for my family, for my career. Um, it's always great hearing from you and, and it means the world, honestly. Oh, you just made me cry. I'll get out of here. I love you. Thank you. Victor, you're the best. Enjoy Los Angeles. Victor Bermudez, four Emmy Awards later, and a, uh, a great success. And um, like I said, it makes me proud. Now, a bunch of kids and, and uh, that worked around me that, that have gone on and done some great things, and that's, uh, that's what the game is all about. Because one day I'll be dead or I'll move on and somebody else will have this position. They won't be nearly as good, nearly as good, but they'll have it. And then uh, some other some other schmuck will be there, producer, and mm-hmm. yeah. say, "Boy, that guy was great." And... Well, I was going to say the absolute worst part about working with you is that I'm, I'm literally like sort of part of me is turning into you now, like in my normal everyday life. <laughs> yeah, that happened to Victor too. Right, so all just, of them. I'll just be sitting at the dinner table, like uh, you know, uh, well, you fart in your soup. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know all that stuff happens. It's horrible. Uh, we'll take a. We'll I, take... I, got, I have the medication for you, man. It worked for me like about ten years ago. You got to get that out of your system God. now. We'll take a short break. We'll come back on the Tuesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning right after this. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. La nota stava là tra le foglie e i fiori. Boy, I had the opportunity to see this guy a couple of years ago, my dear friend, Dr. Jimmy Orsini out in Jersey, and his lovely wife and daughter, Tiffany, took me and Danielle. We actually went backstage. You remember I took pictures with Andrea Bocelli, just an amazing talent. His daughter at the time was nine. Talking about my 19-year-old Ava. His daughter was nine, and they did um, Hallelujah together. I cried the whole time. It was just beautiful. He's beautiful. 77 WABC radio listeners get ready for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that'll leave you speechless. Trust me, I've done it. It is 
One of the best things I've ever seen. We're giving you the chance to win a pair of tickets to witness the magic of globally renowned Italian tenor Andrea Bocelli. Live at Madison Square Garden. Comes up December the 13th and 14th, right around Christmas. That's an eye him as he graces us with his enchanting holiday tour 2023. Picture yourself in the heart of the Big Apple, surrounded by the mesmerizing melodies of Andrea Bocelli's angelic voice. As he fills the iconic Madison Square Garden with his soul-stirring performance, this is a concert you're not going to want to miss. And here's how you can win. Be caller number 9 right now, 646-590-2085, and a pair of tickets will be yours. Remember, this is a limited-time opportunity. Don't wait. Grab your phone. Dial right now, 646-590-2085. Caller number 9. You'll be heading to Madison Square Garden on December 13th or 14th to witness the holiday magic unfold. Tickets are available for purchase at Ticketmaster or visit MSG.com to learn more. Good luck. Your chance to see Bocelli. Also, I want to remind you folks, my beautiful wife Danielle reminds me, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD, the charity that Danielle and I started, inspired by our terrific son Gabriel, what a beautiful boy he is. It's now called Dyspraxia DCD America. You can follow Dyspraxia DCD America on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Please do that today. There's millions of, I know we we spend a lot of time talking about autism, and I love the autism charities. I love them, and I've donated to just about all of them. Autism Speaks especially. I believe there are more kids who suffer from dyspraxia than autism, but we don't know about it here. In, In England, they know about it. In Ireland, they know about it. Not here. So please follow us today, Dyspraxia DCD America. Once again, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and help out. Millions of kids, like my son Gabriel, who you've all grown to love, help them out all over the world. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oy. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends. How many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Let's say Donald Trump is back in the White House. He wins. What would be your desired position where you make where you can be as much of an influence and and make change, what would be that position? Vice president and normal politicians, average politicians, they're not going to be blunt with you like that. They're going to talk around an issue like that and say, oh, well, whatever, I can do that. No, no, no. I would would love to be Donald Trump's vice president. Sure, she would be. My friend Sarah Palin, she was John McCain's choice for vice president, but they didn't win. She was on a show called uh, Cop Talk, one of our uh, popular podcasts. But what's funny is, I guess the guys that do that show, Kevin and Ed, those are the hosts. But they didn't ask her that question. That's my really, really close friend, former Ranger great Ron Duguay, her boyfriend, right. who asked her that. So been totally legit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. what would you like to do? I got a follow-up question here that we yeah. totally haven't rehearsed or planned or done in any yeah. of that sort of Yeah, I mean, it would be a bigger story, of course, if Donald Trump said, okay, I'd like to do that. But right now, Sarah's just kind of throwing it out there. I love Palin. So she was on, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Spoke to her yesterday just a little bit just to confirm that she actually said it. <laughs> and she did. But, you know, there's... Who knows if, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But she cute. 
She's yeah. a nice girl. We'll see. Right? She's cool. I got to thank um, my friend from Williamsburg. And it's not Vinny Viola. It's the other one. I've got two friends from, from Williamsburg. Um, this guy went away for the holidays. And he must have texted me, I don't know, ten times about Ava. Ten times. Pete Morgan, who this next conversation brought to you by Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. Used to be America, now it's the freaking world. That includes Nicaragua. I saw some guy on one of these uh, HGTV shows yesterday by an island in Nicaragua for a million dollars. So Pete Morgan also texted about a thousand. A lot of you guys out there texted. A lot of you listeners. Some lady named Olga, who's uh, just a great listener. Pat, Patty, of course, we love her. So I can't thank you guys enough. It, it's very nice. And if I didn't get back, it's because, you know, I'm running back and forth the hospital, and, and um, I'm just, you know, very busy. But I get every text and every uh, message, and I appreciate it. And it means a lot to me and our family. A little bit of a tough time right now. I'm not going to lie. Very tough time, actually. Very tough. But we're going to be okay. We'll figure it out. What uh, What am I doing here now? Uh, oh, these guys on? All right. So the name of the show is Cop Talk. And they had Sarah Palin on. I just played the cut. Dugay and Palin talking about Sarah's preference if Trump was to win. What, how would she like to serve? And... Don't forget John McCain, of course. She was his VP choice. She wanted to do it again. So I believe uh, from Ed and Kevin on Cop Talk, I've got Kevin on the program this morning. Kevin, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Nice to be on your show. Thank you for having us. Nice to have you. What? Uh, so what were you thinking? Here you are. You got this uh, podcast, which does very well. Congratulations. Red Apple Podcast here at WABC and... Of course, you know how much I love you guys and love the cops. And uh, here you've got uh, Palin on, and you've got Dugay with her, her boyfriend, the New York Ranger grade, also a dear friend of mine, right. and uh, asked the question, what would you like to do in Trump's office if he wins? And she says VP, which he's done before with John McCain. You guys are thinking, wait, we, we got a big scoop here, right? Right, exactly. I believe it's the first time she actually mentioned that on radio or television, and she mentioned it right on our podcast on WABC Radio. Um, WABC Radio podcast, which I thought was pretty interesting and pretty well. And by the way, Ron Duguay is a good friend of mine as well, and that's why we were able to have Ron and Sarah on. Yeah, no, those guys are both great people. They've been together for quite some time now. And look, you know, she didn't win in Alaska last time around in November, but she was on with me about two weeks ago, and she made it very, very, very clear that she wasn't done. In fact, that was the last question I asked her, Kevin. I said, are you done? You know, based upon really two losses last year. She said, no way, man. I'm, I'm still doing this, and I'm looking for my next gig. So it makes all the sense in the world that she gave you the response she did when it came to um, to Donald Trump. And uh, Dukes did a good job of asking that question. Now, was that on yeah. his own? Did you tell him to ask God? How'd that go? <laughs> um, that was on his own. You know, we, we spoke about it. We, we have many conversations about a lot of things. And, yes, that was on his own, that question. So, you know, I've got Bo Deedle on twice a week, obviously. I know you know Bo. He's on Tuesdays at 7.40, Thursdays at 9.05. Great sure. cop, great cop. Nearly two decades, one of the greatest cops in the city's history. And you guys are big-time cops, too. In fact, Kev, are you the one who served in the Marines? No, no, never in the Marines. No, never in the Marines. Did you no, serve? I actually do. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, did one of you guys serve, you or Ed, in, in the Army or the Marines, the Navy, something? Uh, 
Oh, yes, Ed did. Ed was a Marine. Ed did, okay. A, a Marine. And you were what? This, a, and you were an NYPD for how long? NYPD detective, uh, 28 years. Retired uh, about 10 years now. Wow. And uh, actually, Stevie Van Zandt and myself run the, uh, I believe you were a guest last year with us. We run the, uh, you know, Stephen Van Zandt's uh, Little Policeman's Ball. Not only was I a guest, I actually yeah. sat next to Stephen Van Zandt at his table. <laughs> but, yeah, I was exactly, there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. Exactly. So it's an event Stevie and I have been doing for years. Raised a lot of money for the widows and children and arms wide open. Uh, police officers with disabled children. And uh, we've been doing that for years, and I know you got involved with us, and that's great. Thank you. Oh, that was a great dinner. You guys did an amazing job. Gary Pons was fantastic. We were dancing uh, well after midnight. Uh, I know the mayor was uh, downstairs, didn't get upstairs, but you guys did a really, really great job. So where, did, where were you, in Brooklyn or Manhattan? Uh, I was in Midtown. I was in Midtown North, uh, oh, Manhattan, sure. my whole career. Sure, Midtown North. And so you're retired. Where do you live now? Uh, now I'm a... Uh, Let's say by the beach, uh, you know, not far from you. <laughs> you sound more like a guy in the witness protection program than a guy that was a cop. I got to be honest. I feel like I'm talking to Rick Moratis in my blue heaven. Uh, <laughs> no, all good, all good. All Were good. you down by you the? Have a lot of mutual friends, and you have a great show. No, I'm sure. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Were you down by the memorial wall when they unveiled those uh, 77 new names last month, or maybe a couple of weeks ago for uh, Tom Bigger's big run? No, but actually, I was down at the uh, um, Police Week in Washington, D.C., and actually on our podcast, we interviewed uh, three police officers from Cleveland, uh, Ohio. They were on, uh, we, their, their episode was released last week. Cool. Um, from, they were down there honoring their fall, and, uh, but we, we interviewed Cleveland Police Department down in Washington, D.C. for Police Week about a week ago. That's awesome. So what is your feeling about this city? I mean, I am, for one, I've been very public about this. I love Commissioner Sewell. She's great to me. I think she's a strong woman. I know that people have complained, well, she doesn't really do her job because Eric Adams doesn't let her. This guy banks. He does more than she does. And I'm not sure if any of that is true. I just know that I think she's the right choice for the job. What are your thoughts on the structure with Madri and Sewell and all these people of the police department and the job that she does specifically? I think the commissioner is doing a very good job. Uh, I know the men and women in blue are very, very happy to be working on that. Morale on her is very good. Um, hopefully, they allow her to do her job because if they do, she'll do a great job running the New York City Police Department. So you also feel like she's being held back just a little bit. Um, that's what it seems to be. Yeah. I'm not there. You can say it, bro. It's okay. Listen, the more the more the more the more the more controversial stuff you say, the bigger your show is going to be. It's okay. Just come out and say yes. Those bastards are going to do her job. She'd be great at it. Now, what kind of cop were you? Were you the type of guy that uh, liked to talk? Did you bash these people over the face with your baton in two seconds? What kind of cop were you? Um, I was a good cop. I, I was an active cop, and I enjoyed doing my job. I was also a union rep, uh, elected delegate for the Detective Endowment Association for 10 years. Oh, really? So um, I had fun being a representative detectives. I had fun doing that at the precinct level. Okay, because, you know, my, my good friend, I know who he is yours, too, probably Paul DiGiacomo. Doesn't he do that now? I know Paul very well. We're very good friends. Yeah. Paul's uh, running the, doing a great job with running our union. He uh, Right. He runs the uh, the DEA right now. And and, and the first time that Katzmatiti said, I'm going to bring on Paul for the DEA, I thought he meant Drug Enforcement Agency. I didn't realize he was talking about the Detectives Endowment Agency, but Paul is a super guy, yeah. another another great guy in a, in a in a high position with the cops. Yes, yes. When you say DEA, people do think sometimes that the, the, the drug yeah. administration uh, 
administration. The drugs, of course. Yeah. But here locally, it's the DA means the, the, the greatest detectives in the world, uh, the Detective Endowment Association. Yeah, NYPD, exactly. So. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Pat Lynch? I know he's about to step away. What do you think of Patty? Patty, I think, did a great job, you know, and um, he feels it's time to move on. And I don't think when he's, if he was elected, he could finish a complete term, complete a four-year term. So I guess that's why he may have decided to move on. But I really don't know. Um, I think he did a great job. I, they just got a great contract. Uh, finally, they got a decent contract, the uh, NYPD, so uh, the PBA, NYPD. So I mean, you think, you uh, say great contract. I know the mayor was able to get the cops a raise, and I did applaud Eric for that. But the truth is, with the raise, cops are making 55000 you don't think that's ridiculous? That's way too low, no? Oh, it's way too low. I mean, but it's a, it's a start. We're in the we're on the right track, you know. Right. Uh, it's been way too low for years. You know, I remember being a cop. We'd wait three, four, five years to get a contract. It was ridiculous. You right. Know, you're just barely catching up. So. So if you ever arrested me, uh, let's let's say I was uh, driving around with a suspended license. I'm going to make like this is fiction, but it's really not. And uh, you arrested me, and you took me back to the precinct, and your desk sergeant said. Why would you arrest Sid Rosenberg? Would you let me go or keep me there? Well, first of all, you wouldn't have made it to the station house because I wouldn't have arrested you. I'm sure you would have had many PBA cards, but <laughs> Sid Rosenberg, I mean, who's going to arrest Sid Rosenberg? Really? Come on. You know, unless you're in some small town somewhere, but not in New York City. Yeah, sure. well, I got arrested on Avenue U in Brooklyn about uh, seven, eight years ago. The guy had no idea who I was. He, I swear to God, we showed up at the desk, and the sergeant goes, Hey, stupid. You know, you just arrested Sid Rosenberg. He goes, Well, I didn't know. I'm like, Well, I'm not Reese Witherspoon. I'm not going to say you know who I am. So I actually sat in the jail cell, and they bought me Bill Parmesan from La Villa in Mill Basin. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That was, uh, that was a good meal, better than any uh, cheese sandwich, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, listen, it's, it's great catching up with you. When can people uh, listen to Cop Talk and all that good stuff? Uh, they go to wbcradio.com and go under the podcast and look for Cop Talk, and every Tuesday a new episode comes out. Every We're Tuesday. About 20 episodes out or so far, yes. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the Sarah Palin scoop. That's great stuff. Hopefully Trump thank listens you, to it. And uh, continued success on your own thank podcast. You. And thank you for your service, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless and stay safe. Thank you, you too. Thank you. God bless you too. That's Kevin. Kevin and Ed, they do the uh, the Cop Talk podcast every Tuesday here at Red Apple WABC Radio. Make sure you check it out. We'll take a short break, come back, and wrap things up on this Tuesday edition. I guess it comes out today. Sitting friends in the morning, 77 WABC. All right. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street. Great song. Foo Fighters did a good version of this, too. My friend Lara Trump is back tomorrow. I miss Lara. I had to throw Lara to the bench when her father-in-law, Donald, came on two weeks ago. But Lara's been the best Trump I've had. I mean, I've had them all. I've had Junior. I've had her husband, Eric. I've had Kimberly. I think Lara's the best. And she back tomorrow. Peter King tomorrow. Curtis will have two or three other great guests. Nice to be back. You know, I, I, I'm away for a couple of days, and, and I start to miss the joint, you know. I did like being off, but again, with um, Ava not feeling well, it, it put a damper on the three-day weekend. Looking forward to a real vacation. But nice to be back. I missed you guys, Lou and Justin and Noam, and you all look uh, sunburned and rested. And I don't know. We just None of this is true. I mean, none of it. No, I don't even know it. why you. you no, it's like you're trying to fill. Yeah, I'm trying to just trying to fill time. I'm trying to convince, trying to convince, trying to convince myself right. too that it's like you could just say goodbye. You could be done now. You could be done. Yeah, I don't want to do that. But you just you're gonna keep just saying random words. I guess. Well, I feel like people would rather hear me say random words anyway. Then that's why. Oh, they love kill me. Who doesn't love kill me? They love right. kill me. You know, I'm on Jesse Waters show on Friday night. <laughs> be on Jesse Waters Friday night, making my return. <laughs> Yeah. Random words. There's random words. <laughs> and then go. I got you. I'm speaking oh, at a drug yeah. rehab oh, called Mainstream House, Riverview, Long Island, Thursday night. So oh, I'm, coming. Yeah. I'm coming. Yeah, you want to come? We have to bring it up on a Tuesday. You should check in while you're there, I, Lewis. No kidding. That's why I'm coming. You what need you a think? 30-day stay. I'm not listening to you talk. It's random <laughs> yeah. words. Just could have waited until Thursday morning to bring up. Yeah. And now we have to bring it up now. Well, then I'll just go then. There's going to be a dick about it. Fine. Fine. I'm leaving. See you tomorrow.